0: Now entering nerdist.com. You made, it weird. you made it weird. You made it weird. Oh yeah. You made it weird. you weird?
1: You made it weird with Pete Holmes.
0: You made it weird. Yes, you did. What is happening
2: weirdos? This is uh, one of my absolute favorite people of all time who I just met in Melbourne. Melbourne David O'Doherty, The DOD just an incredible performer and just an incredible person. I call him during the, uh, during this podcast, Life's Tour Guide, just because he's one of the most interesting people. I could listen to him talk to, uh, forever. We don't have forever, but we do have about three and a half hours. So that's a good, that's a good dose of the DOD. Uh, All right, before we get started, here are the tour dates coming up. April 15th, that's very, very soon. We have the live You Made It Weird here in Los Angeles at the Troubadour. We got Andy Richter, Garfunkel Garfunkel and Oates, and uh, Zach Kreger. We're trying very hard to get John Mulaney. 500 weeks, Chris Thayer will be there. It's going to be a really fun time. Come out April 15th at the Troubadour. Also, I'm going to be in Miami, uh, at Miami Beach at the Fillmore for two shows on April 20th. Austin, Texas, I'll be there for Moon Tower April 24th through 27th I'm coming to Canada again for Calgary at Yak Yuck Yaks, May 9th through 11, 11 not 11, I'm going to be in Cleveland for one night at the Grog Shop on May 16th and Bloomington, Indiana for the Limestone Comedy Fest June 7-8 through 8. You can email the show I've been checking Facebook more often than not which is facebook.com slash weird or weirdofnerdist.com. and our sponsor is and uh, this is the same sponsor as last time Bonobos which is the most fun sponsor to say Bonobos is uh, a men's apparel brand with an online and offline presence and they're focused on the fit of clothes and customer service so you can get uh, chinos chinos are like pants denim, casual shirts, blazers, suits, and the whole point is better fitting men's clothes that are both stylish and comfortable, which is, you know, what I'm all about. You want to look good, but you don't want to feel itchy and horrible and unnatural. You want to feel nice and crisp, dare I say, in a crisp pair of slacks. Come on, look and feel good. Bonobos.com, you can set up a personal shopping uh, experience at Bonobos.com, which they call Guide Shops, or order online, and they got free returns for weirdos, and they got 20% off if you type in Pete uh, at the uh, checkout, that's the code, that's the secret code, P-E-T-E, Pete, Bonobos.com, B-O-N-O-B-O-S.com, do I have to spell .com? I think I got it. That's it, everybody. And like we did with Robert Buscemi, just so you guys have a little taste of what DOD is about, here he is in my hotel room at about 3 in the morning in Melbourne uh, playing a song, my favorite song of his. Uh, He was gracious enough to lug his keyboard up to the room and record this while we were both somewhat drunk just so we would have an idea of what he sounds like. So enjoy the free track and enjoy the podcast and thank you for listening. All right, everybody.
1: Do you think it has power? Yeah, it's going... You can start
2: whenever. What song was
1: that? That was it? Well, that's the chords. That's that was, yeah. They're the chords from other things. It's, um... It's, uh, ten, ten minutes to one. What date is it? What did you say?
2: Depending where we are. It's Monday, April 8th, 12.50 a.m.
1: Oh, yeah. You are going to America home tomorrow. I'm I will remain here.
2: For another two weeks.
1: Remainder of the festival. I, am. Um, I've had four drinks... Uh-huh uh, Room 52 189 Queen Street <laughs> Melbourne VIC 5000
2: <laughs> I've had more than five drinks
1: Yeah, I probably have more than five drinks as well
2: I don't feel it though
1: I... I'm feeling bloated and salted Yeah, were you drinking beer? Oh no, you weren't You were drinking, I drinking clear wine, liquids wine
2: And then I went to clear But I had pizza Oh uh, yeah, yeah It's not It's a mistake I have to get up in five hours, but I, I don't know how tired I
1: am. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess as um, no no one who listens to your podcast knows who okay. I am or what I do.
2: Well, that's not true. I've noticed quite a bit of uh, Twitter enthusiasm. Uh, it's <laughs> probably the same three people, uh, but they're so invigorated. Those three people,
1: you know, ladies with fringes and fringes, something. yeah, oh bangs, oh. Which is one of those weird ones because <laughs> bangs does just imply sexual intercourse. And where I come from, sounds like minge.
2: <laughs> put a bit of a, put a bit of minge on it, darling. <laughs> oh God!
1: Yeah, just drunk right, guys.
2: Well, I wanted you to play this song, and it turns out you don't have this song.
1: No, there isn't a good recorded version of this song.
2: And I am thrilled that you're willing to play it because it's. You, I heard you play it at Christian Charles' wedding. Yeah. And then I heard you play it here on TV, and the fact that you're willing to come by the room again and play it is wonderful. Here's my—I'll play the Tylenol
1: PM. Don't please don't play. I wouldn't do that. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah, that went to turn into a jam. You're going to start jamming it out.
2: <laughs> I would never do that.
1: Um, oh, okay. you. <coughs> this is cold. Uh, we have a day after tomorrow, so I've just done six in a row, so my voice is a bit like this. So I'll sing it in a key. That doesn't. That sounds beautiful. It's called life. I'm just stopping because one of your neighbors is taking a poop there. Yeah, you that's hear the like, upstairs poop. <laughs>
2: I've gotten to know that quite well. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> okay. Life.
0: La- <clears throat> i laughed
1: at the words. Life. 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 Lifey lifey life 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 li life. Oh, shit serious Ah, oh, balls Oh no actually it's okay Oh no it's not Oh god no oh, not this again Really no not oh And then you die Life is a marathon Not a sprint, but it's a sort of marathon that you have to sprint, and there's hurdles and weights to lift and cycling and archery. Life is basically the Olympics, but at the end you don't get a medal, you die. (laughs)
0: Life
1: is like a long journey in a car with no sat-nav or map or idea of where you're going. Or why? And that car is a 1991 Toyota Corolla. You've Toyota Corollas in America. Where you have to leave the hot air on to make the lights work. (laughs) It's very complicated. Avril Levine was right. Here, do you call a reusable um, shopping bag? Do you call that a bag for life? No. Okay, at home. Well, just to alert the listeners, that's called a bag for life. Okay, this (laughs) verse. Life! What are you? Are you just the accumulation of obsolete mobile phone chargers and reusable shopping bags? Current total, nine of one, almost 40 of the other. (laughs) I will never need that many shopping bags in my entire life. And now they're all stuffed in one cupboard together. When I go to take one out, they all avalanche down on top of me, leading to a situation where they could actually suffocate me. Ironic to be killed by a bag for life. (laughs)
0: Life
1: is like going out with Amelie from the movie Amelie from a distance it seems like it should be really fulfilling and satisfying but actually on a day to day basis it's quite annoying <laughs> hey Amelie could you sort out the direct debit for the internet company no because I got a piece of paper and I made it into a boat and I put it on the river oh Jesus Amelie hey Amelie could you go and get some milk for the coffee no will buy us a cow oh fucking hell amelie this is adorable for the first six months it's sort of quirky but now it's a real pain in the arse life life is hard you know it's just not said often enough it's always in songs it's a beautiful day i'm walking on sunshine ah, all songs should have to have some reference from now on to life being hard within the song all songs. Happy birthday to you. Ugh. Happy birthday to you. Because ultimately the rate of prostate cancer in men over the age of 85 is 100%. An actual specialist cancer doctor told me that recently. One of Ireland's leading specialists. It's just the cancer is benign in some men. Ah, cancer. Because no one talks about it being hard, I think you then think you're the only one who finds it hard. I bet everyone finds it equally hard. Even people who outwardly seem really content and satisfied. About once a year, even Roger Federer is sat at a change of ends. And he looks down at his banana in one hand and his fancy carbon fibre racket in the other and he looks up at the umpire in the high chair and he sees the ring of giant novelty tennis balls around the top of the Stad roll on Garros or whatever stadium it is and just for a moment I bet even Roger Federer thinks to himself I'm 31 years old seriously what the fuck am I doing with my life this is basically just a game like hungry hungry hippos or kerplunk you have kerplunk one with marbles good. Don't get me wrong. There's brilliant bits. Like when you see something you haven't seen for a while, or you get drunk unexpectedly, or you you do drunk cycling, or you read a book that's incredible, or you listen to an unbelievable podcast. Uh-huh. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> You do an incredible show, you go to an incredible show, but very often you go back outside again, you find that someone set your bike on fire. That actually happened to me recently after a charity gig I was doing... Why would you set my fucking bike on fire? How would you even set a fucking bike on fire? They must have brought petrol or lighter fluid into the city to specifically let light bikes on fire. And it was raining. Oh, Dublin. Somewhere over the rainbow. But life is just exactly as hard as it is on this side of the rainbow and on that side you can't even see the bloody rainbow it's like an optical illusion caused by water meeting light at a specific angle and who knows maybe it's even more homophobic on the other side of the rainbow so let's just stay on this side and let's all of us even just for today let's just try and have a bloody nice time man. Yeah?
2: Neighbors give us the sound of a flushing toilet, and we give them a show. <laughs> David O'Doherty.
1: I'm going to bed. I can't talk anymore. Thanks, oh, God, I had a hard
2: time laughing. We both lost our voices. Safe festival. trip.
1: Safe trip back to America. Yes, I can't wait to see you again, and we'll do it. Well, <laughs> that's the demo. <laughs> <laughs> How
2: do you know? No one knocks on my door. <laughs> I'm already recording. <laughs> we,
1: um, so in the lobby of this hotel, they you know, yeah. have all the other things that are on at the moment, and they have um, Joel Roberts' language of impact. What does that mean? I don't know. I'd say it might be one of those seminars where you you learn to get your point across. <laughs> I have to put my phones over here because I don't have to interfere with your devices. I'll turn them off. What, oh, you,
2: what, oh, you want to charge it?
1: No, although you have stolen my charger.
2: I have stolen your charger Is- for your holiday
1: cap of a hotel <coughs> oh, no, I better turn these off
2: I think. What do you mean, because of the. <coughs> yeah,
1: and I've got two of them as well I have, <laughs> I have six phones for different nations And sometimes they're all charging on my desk at home Like, there is Something <coughs> sinister. <coughs> sinister happening
2: Wait, well you're like Jason Bourne Oh yeah, yeah He has a bunch of passports
1: Yeah I got you coffee anyway Oh thank you very much, oh this one Yeah, it's an Americano. I see what you're trying to do, indoctrinate me It's your nation. (laughs) (laughs) You could have got me an Irish, oh, an Irish coffee, which is an entirely made-up thing. (laughs) Because...
2: (laughs) The joy you just had realizing (laughs) that you also have a coffee, that your people have a coffee.
1: The Irish coffee. The famous coffee producer. Is that racist? What?
2: Well, I mean, we're not. The fact that it's like, oh, let's Irish up this coffee, that's what we say. Add uh, alcohol
1: to it. I I mean, racism, I say that's borderline racist a lot. But it's not really racism. It's just. Oh, you mean you use the phrase as borderline racist? Yeah, I use the term. I accuse people of racism a lot. It's one of my hilarious default things. (laughs) Whenever anything Irish comes up, even if they're wearing a chunky knit jumper, that's sometimes (laughs) enough to accuse them of uh, being racist. But I don't. (laughs) It's not
2: really racist, is it? It's a little bit. Well, what if I if I said, I want to Jew this
1: coffee up, and that meant make it less expensive? Yeah, but you could argue that the Jewish people come from the tribes of Israel. Yes. And whereas Irish people are like, we're Vikings and Normans and Celts and English and Scottish. Yes. You know, we're just a made-up island that was very angry for a long time. Right. And was sort of crushed, so consequently we... Kind of made up like this place, Australia. Yeah, made up like this place, except the fact that Ireland has been around a bit longer than here in terms of white people. <laughs> Sorry, Australia. I just I made the basic <laughs> error there. The, um, like, it's funny, I just got a tweet, this very... I just checked my tweets when I was coming up the lift here. I'm I'm a
2: big fan of saying this day. Did I tell you that? No. I love saying... I go, like, when I really want to convince people that it was today and not, like, artificial stand-up, I go, this very day. (laughs) This day. So you you got a tweet this day?
1: (laughs) Yeah, this day I uh, got a tweet which said... um, were, it Was a guy called I'm David O'Doherty. So it was from an Australian man called David Doherty. Yeah, and that's no good. And that's fine. The O is just of. It's all it means. Technically, um, you could put an uh, of in the middle of your name. That would be fine. Peter O'Holmes. Peter O'Holmes. Peter <laughs> O'Holmes. My dad would love it.
2: As I told you, my dad is the most Irish claiming mini Irishman ever. Yeah, that's good. That's, yeah, I mean. It gets a bit annoying No, around. you told me it is kind of
1: annoying. It, it, it gets annoying around St. <laughs> Patrick State just when your culture is put forward as oh Irish, that means this and I know because I am Irish even though I've never been there. Right. And I uh but nonetheless I will get what it normally involves drinking yes. and and violence. <laughs> and that is the scourge of life in Ireland and something I don't know if a lot of people are kind of reacting against but this is a very historic specific tweet that came in because the guy said "Um, we uh, uh, were here so he's obviously his family been living here for a while and he said this. it was something like the soup is delicious yes which is a very specific put down to Irish people it is? yeah because so there was a potato famine in ireland we were we were too reliant can i by the way at the
2: top right here yeah i don't think you're gonna forget what you're gonna say which is what i love i don't you're like life's tour guide you're life's (laughs) tour guide i I, i'm so delighted with you and i'm remembering the first day the which day the first day yeah not this day not Not this day day. but the first day we hung out i put a quarter in the jukebox of (laughs) O'Darty. And listen to this don't stuff. Don't become that. No, I, I knew. I, I've told you something similar to this before and you didn't like it either. And I was like, no, everyone loves this. I'm not a rec- recanting machine. No, it's not that. It's uh, more like a knowledge fountain that you can swim in. But. <laughs> People love going
1: for a swim, David. I don't. <laughs> they do. I'm not sure if I want to be that. No, you do. Uh, no, I don't. I prefer it. <laughs> I... In my mind, I'm a sort of quiet. But I guess everyone in their mind is just a quiet. You no, know, you
2: are quiet. I wouldn't. Doesn't say you. much. I would. And then when that.
1: I do say something, it's interesting. But from what you've just said, I'm just like this ticker tape machine <laughs> that just gurgles no. forth on
2: any topic. No, you're you're wonderful to have around. And if something, most people I know, you couldn't say what really happened in the Irish Potato Famine, but you know wow now I know you're from Ireland but I'm from Lexington and you couldn't say tell me about the birth of the American Revolution I wouldn't tell you so it's a compliment on so many levels you know a lot and you're happy to share it a lot of smart or you know informed people don't want to share it it's a wonderful thing I insist that you accept this compliment I can't
1: I mean and this I don't know if this is an Irish thing But I am really bad at taking compliments. Oh, that's right. I, I tweeted at you something nice and you had to deflect it. Yeah, I had to say something really... Oh, you said that you'd seen my show and enjoyed it. Thank you very much. I called it life-affirming and wonderful and hilarious, I think. But I had to then tweet back, the, go, thank you, I owe you the rest of those infinite handjobs. Uh, Whatever you want, the next one. <laughs> yeah, I can't... It's... it's well, I... But it's a psychological. It's definitely a weird psychological thing. I think Americans are better, generally, at going... Thank you very much. Yeah, I was pleased with it too. I've actually run into
2: that. The guy who's on the show here, we're in Australia, by the way, we're in Melbourne, and then the guy before me, his name is Josh, he gets off every night. He's the show before us. Yeah. And I say, how was it? And every night he tells me that it wasn't good, or like, he was like, it was all right. Yeah. He doesn't, and I'm like, he told me the same thing that American people get off stage and they're like, it was great. I killed it. I killed it. I loved it. It was just hot
1: tonight. Really hot room. I really got a good roll. And that is me. You know that's me. I, I remember once when I was starting out, I'd been doing it for maybe a year or two. And I did a gig with Domerera, yes. legendary American stand up. Didn't you? T- and he said, uh, I said, How was it uh-huh. tonight? And he said, Tonight I was really good, but they were kind of shitty. Yeah. And I remember thinking, wow, I would love to be one day at the point where I can legitimately go, yeah, I was very, very strong tonight. And it was the fault of this group of arbitrary strangers yes. not forming
2: a But you feel consensus. that. You have to feel that sometimes. I, I, I'm not telling you a lie right now. I got off stage, I think, two nights ago, and that's exactly what I said. It was like, how was it? I said, I was very good. They weren't very... And someone tweeted, because people know that's how I feel, <clears throat> someone was like, uh, I saw your show tonight, you were an A+, the crowd was a C-. Now, I understand that that's a dangerous place to go into.
1: And did you forward that tweet on to everyone else like those <laughs> annoying mad the... Uh, I mean, I think is, it, is there almost and grounds and for it. now saying there's two sorts of people in the world. Those people who receive a compliment on Twitter and just leave it at that and those who cast it forward And retweet it. I I will never retweet. I will never I will never do that. retweet. I will unless it's ridiculous. One time I wrote a book of made up facts about animals uh, a few years ago, and Pee Wee Herman tweeted that he liked it. Yes, and I retweeted that That's just because fair. it was suitably ludicrous.
2: Well, fucking Ricky Gervais uh, said m- uh, our friend Mike Maviglial was the new Woody Allen, and he retweeted that. And I said, "You're goddamn right, you retweet that. Yeah, it's a big deal. Yeah, it's yeah. a really big one. But if somebody's just like, I- my face hurts from laughing, and it's Karen, and she has yeah. <laughs> <her> three <laughs> followers, and their picture's Snoopy, <laughs> you don't need to retweet that. <laughs> it makes it, it, it hurts my heart, and it bears an on. Und- follow sometimes do
1: you yeah I guess you do forward on the Gervais one I yeah. think so okay okay there's, oh there's, I see there's a marginal case there which is where Snoopy Karen well, at what point in the horrific staircase of celebrity does do you is legitimately you know uh, for so Berbiglia says something nice about your show right uh, is he sufficiently high up no
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because he did say something nice about it and I say that that's that's where it ends. That, he, he's actually he's very good he's good at that tradition of he goes to see someone's show and then he'll tweet that he saw it and that he loved it I think
1: that's a nice thing it to do though it is a nice though. thing yeah do. that's definitely a nice thing I was thing actually to do.
2: following his good example I'd like to say that I would be smart enough to go to your show and like it and then to you know not necessarily help but, but it might help
1: it might help people get to my, the show my dad is a jazz musician and there's a really nice tradition in jazz which is in the room if there's a up-and-coming musician that you really like from the bandstand yes. you go thank you so much and it's a delight here to have in the room one of the up-and-coming no. yeah, tenor saxophonists or whatever of our no. time and whoever it happens Carrico Sambia whoever it happens to be is there and then just get to play and you know if they have their instruments you could ask them up obviously you can't oh, do that in comedy but yeah. you just carry on with the gig that's kind of a nice welcome to the Welcome oh, to the team.
2: God, that makes me so happy. Yeah. I'm very sensitive today. I want you to know I woke up and just the weight of everything is very despair on me. I don't yeah. know why. It, it just, uh, ja- I wanted to ask you about a general anxiety. So I, anyway, I'm feeling mushy. That story makes me feel mushy. But here you are growing up seeing stuff like that. You think you'd be better at taking a compliment.
1: Oh, no, because no one ever, co- like jazz is probably the most tankless Job in terms of effort put in yeah. at least if you're a concert pianist, old people still go to see classical music recitals right whereas jazz nobody gives them monkeys you're, there's like sixteen people in the audience who are all doing the jazz course at the right, local right, right, right. Uh, regional technical college yeah and they're quite enthusiastic but then they just come up afterwards and ask you. What, uh, what sort of lead you use to your keyboard yeah. as opposed to reflecting upon the beautiful thing you've done. It, so it's all... The only reason to do jazz is because it makes you happy wow. to do it. And right. so the test, you're just trying to impress yourself. Like, like that's where that DaMerera line definitely comes from jazz, which is, you know, I've been to my dad's gig where there's the trio are on stage. They amble on, there's no round of applause, there's 20 people in the room... The lights aren't turned on yet. They haven't discussed what tunes they're going to play. Yeah. And so they have a little, we do all blues. We do it in G. Okay, what tempo? And someone goes, uh, 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 <laughs> And they start, and that's it. And no one pays any attention. And uh. at the end, you just see the look, eyeball to eyeball. They're like man, this is working tonight. This yeah, is good. Yeah, Whereas yeah. we're like, please like yeah. me. Look at my tweets.
2: Well, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> no. it's No, it's true. There is something really beautiful about that, 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 that. They don't need the audience, but they have instruments. And I've quoted this many times. This is a Brian Regan quote where he says that we are musicians, but the audience is our instrument. So we do shows sometimes and our piano doesn't
1: show up. Yeah. Or it's yeah. not a good piano. But if we were... Sure enough in ourselves, I would love to get to the point where I could use that Domerera line one day. You look at someone like uh, Zach Galifianakis, who is just absolutely, certainly convinced these things are funny and these things are interesting. Yes. And you look at Daniel Kitson. Yes. And these are important things I'm telling to you. Right. So I will tell them to you in the correct order right. from a word point of view with interesting inflections right. and a comedy uh, bent to it. Uh-huh. Make of it what you will, people, because there's another one following hot on the heels of it. Yeah. And that's a nice way to be, you know.
2: That, but that is the feeling. You can get to that place. That night that I got off and said I was good, the yeah. night that you came and saw my show,
1: I didn't feel
2: like I was... I'm not fishing for compliments. So yeah. I'm going to pause you there. It's just I was feeling... I was feeling my blood circulating. You know what I mean? I felt like a man. I felt like I was in my body. Yeah. And then there are other nights where I don't feel my blood circulating and I become... Goddamn Batman, and I'm, I'm, I'm a symbol. You know what I mean? I'm just like it doesn't. I know I'll I'll go crazy. You, you let the ego up you my become mind, a pillar of smoke. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But like there are other nights where it's where the feeling is. I'm not trying to persuade you to laugh at what I'm saying. Mm. I'm going to be saying these things, and they tickle me, and I'm in them like a good song, like a guy going, uh, 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 yeah, yeah. And then I find that rhythm maybe even like my own internal rhythm and I'm putting it in front of the audience and it doesn't
1: matter if they get every single punchline and
2: then you get off and you say what Don Morero said.
1: But I mean, <coughs> you... So I went to see uh, Max and the Van last night. Really funny. Uh, two uh, guys from London. This is like their second or third show and they're really fine. It's like a one hour sketch with loads of in and out bits in it and as with every show I've ever seen... From any performer ever. Afterwards, when I went, I really enjoyed that. They went, yeah, a bit of a flat one tonight. Ah. Yeah, so I think <laughs> well, if you critically examine, if I'd said to Damoreira possibly in 2002, "Hey Dom, I was at your show tonight," he would have gone, "Yeah, a bit of a flat one." You yeah. Know? Yeah, 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 I think yeah. I, was I was okay, but uh. right, you know. Whereas I think if you can suspend that criticism, that critical element in your own mind, you can probably get into just saying the funny things and remembering the funny parts right? of them it's hard to rely on the crowd
2: so heavily I've been saying that to you every night you made fun of me because I was like I said to you one of the more arrogant things I've ever said which is, it's actually a a line from Eternal Sunshine, you know that uh, movie of course yeah where he goes, I'm not wiping as clean as I like. When he's erasing the memories, he goes, I'm not wiping as clean as I like. I said, I'm not killing as <laughs> clean as I like. Oh, God. It's... it's it's.
1: But here's the <laughs> thing. Killing is... All, I mean, that is such a uniquely American... What, killing? Yeah, I find it funny because it's... It, oh, the, that's right. The you implication of it. death yeah. in it implies... And obviously to die on stage... Right, is, we, we agree that that's the same thing. Is, is That is bad. Yeah. But yeah, it reminds me of... The, the my bummer's point, which is, oh yeah, I attempted to, like, occasion. Most you know, our our cultures are similar enough that that I generally know what you will understand, and if I say something that you don't quite understand, you will go, oh yeah, yeah, I see what that probably means. But then occasionally that we're at absolute cross purposes. Which was, I was, I did a gig in UCB in New York a while ago, and I was trying to explain. Uh, a homophobic joke from when you're about seven, which was, <laughs> oh yeah, it was uh, it, the topic was uh, questions that have no answers. So it's how big is the universe, or are you a bummer tied to a tree? Which is what, like, the bully kids say to you when you're nine or ten, and you go, Am I a bummer tied to a tree? Uh, uh, yes, and they go, Bummer! <laughs> uh, or no, Bummer on the loose! <laughs> And I said that in a... Bummer, bummer bummer meaning... a, A man who likes bumming. (laughs) <laughs> so, no, so, help
2: our listeners
1: oh, okay. takes it up the bum yeah, to, yeah. Uh, up the bum hole <laughs> and, uh, and so like you the entire audience all looked at bummer from the American sense as just yeah. a bad thing yes, that happens yes. and therefore the idea of tying one's bummers to a tree is a very <laughs> holistic notion if you take all your problems you it's like tie a yellow ribbon around the old t- tie your bummers to the tree I just let the tree yeah. take the bummers. Ah, it's cleansing. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. And I like it as an idea. I would love now. to tie my bummers to a tree. Yeah, if only that's the answer to that. Yeah. You a bummer tied to a tree. If only I was. <laughs> Bullies, take that. The American,
2: the American thing that I, that we're talking about with killing, first of all, you don't say killing the way that mm. we
1: do. And also I don't I feel like you guys are always going on about killing. I can see know. it's not a race, Pete. Ah, Jeez, it's well, an art form. Well, see, that's that's
2: one of the things I've loved hanging about hanging about with you. First of all, you affect my language, and I just end up talking <laughs> so much more European for no reason. Always trying to slip it by you, saying like half eleven stuff like that. Yeah, I didn't even notice that. <laughs> I know. And you
1: are chuckling to yourself. No,
2: I'm not chuckling to myself. I'm like, ooh, I've passed.
1: <laughs> well, I, yeah, because I've said write me, and you didn't notice that. What's write me instead of write to me? Oh. Why, is that a, a nut Yeah, right, that's one of your nuts ones. And um, Nuts. Uh, 10, 10 away from 11, that sort of thing. I guess you wouldn't really say that. You wouldn't a... say that. We say quart- 10 to 11. 10 to 11. No, we say that. I well. say
2: brilliant, proper...
1: Oh, uh, And you the, say you're these right. are you would regard these as non American. Oh yeah, you wouldn't
2: the, the use of proper and brilliant is huge uh in, oh. in the UK and Ireland apparently as well. I say,
1: I'm walking here
2: <laughs> which is You see that you're friends with John Oliver, that remind
1: you both have the same <laughs> oh, <yeah>. American <laughs> Oh, I'm
2: walking here.
1: That's us. It's but whenever America appears in advertising at home, yeah. it's normally like Good fellas, New York style pizza! And the ad like, I'm just a new and there'd always be a giveaway which is like I'm just a New York cabbie. <laughs> just driving my taxi cab around the greatest old city in all of America. New York, the capital city of America. <laughs> And American style just at home normally means bigger. You told me so that. American style pizza yeah. is just a big walk, buddy. <coughs> hey, step off. Step off is that it like that's the definitive American phrase that none of you ever say. We
0: don't say step It's like off. top of the
1: morning or these yeah, ones that you constantly yeah, yeah. throw in my face. Yeah, yeah
2: yeah. yeah. Well that's just me. I'm just obnoxious. Yeah. Exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well I was gonna say
2: the rolling thing, uh, it, when when Americans talk about killing one of the I, so it took me about a week and then the thing the thing that I realized that I think is different about uh, Australian audiences is that they don't roll as well as American audiences yeah. meaning when you start talking they tend to be quiet yeah because they're they want to hear what you're saying whereas American audiences get on more of a roll where they're laughing and yeah, but
1: you also have lots of jokes very close together yeah this is a problem with mine, which there <laughs> tends to be it's lols and lols yeah. So you and lolds. Yeah, you've got a more of a build up to a thing. <laughs> I, I I just well, you're in that the show you're doing here is three Americans have yep. been ghettoized together yes. into a single um, hour of the uh, step off buddy hour,
0: yeah.
1: comedy. <laughs> <laughs> the New York style hour.
2: <laughs> it actually kind of is Pepe Staten Island, and Shay from New York. And yeah. Yeah. So it's I'm walking here, the hour.
1: And whereas mine's, I'm doing a solo show here. Yes. And so, because I very rarely do 20 Minutes or Snappy Snapsters. Right. I have probably evolved into a much slower long winded well, thing I love that when I saw you, I told you
2: when I saw you first of all it was wonderful but it so, I, oh, compliment
1: uh, can you in future when you say you've been to my gig just not say anything nice about it just okay leave sure a, leave a pause if you want
2: I went to your gig the seats were very uncomfortable <laughs> like,
1: I'm I, so sorry uh, <laughs> I, I take that really
2: personally then. <laughs> the seats were fine I made that up I was trying to give you a good non compliment <laughs> but you see there's something that's inspiring about talking to you is that you do seem to be okay with looking at this as as an art form which I do as well I like that but this whole doing a new hour each year yeah that that all european and australia australian i guess we'll say comedians seem to have this grasp over like this is a craft, we do a new hour every year, we bring it to the festivals, we do it as a show. Yeah. It's not necessarily, uh, the premium isn't necessarily on like a piping hot opener and a sizzling closer. Yeah. It's to create, almost like theater or almost like jazz, a little bit of a mood. Yeah. It's your evening. Yeah. You came out and, and, and what you taught me, because I've been going on first now that Pepitone's here. Right, Yeah. To, to ease into it a little bit more, go and be like, "Thanks for coming, and how are you? And, yeah. Good to see you." And 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 slowly, you did something great, which was like, yeah. you told them a little bit about what was going to come. You forecast the show a little bit, right? It, yeah, yeah. It was so it put everybody so at ease. Yeah. Whereas most Americans, and I'm not shitting on us, what we come would, out would, red do would come out red boom, hot. Boom, boom, yeah. boom. I just yeah, yeah, think yeah. you can't. Which possibly... is why we want
1: openers. You, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, like, it's funny because, so I tour the year doing a two, I normally do two hours. So I'll do an opening. Wait. In one show, you just do two hours. Yeah, like I'll tour Ireland for the UK. This is, that's
2: my impression of you guys, of you, you, Edinburgh, people who I admire. Well, there wouldn't be many there doing. i be like, I do the four hours and there's a break. <laughs> there's a break. A, I, I take a 90 minute break and a three hour break. And then I do uh, my closer and the uh, Flight of the Concords what is, come out.
1: What do you do 26 <laughs> minutes, then get out the lobby and sell that merch. Come on! <laughs> <laughs> Three hours of merch. Get back on the bus to another show. You're right. No, I'm. No, not. it's I'm true. Joking.
2: No, when That's you said you made that joke in your show, you said I have merch, and it actually kind of hurt my heart a little bit. I was like, Oh, David has merch. I don't care if yeah, you, but have, I, merch you have merch. I didn't have merch. I know was it was a joke, a joke. I was making. I'm selling my possessions. Oh, I got it. Okay, I <laughs> <laughs> what if until this moment I thought I went backstage and saw you? I would have known if you were selling merch. Oh! But there's something. There's a, there's a homogenite. I love saying homogenizing, but there's just like a factory farming element of. Something that uh these parts of the world non America seems to be more comfortable with not America
1: that part of the world, yeah,
2: that's the, I learned that was the most offensive thing you could say when I was in Africa was non white like it, it, because using white is the
1: yeah. standard, it's so, like when sometimes old old fashioned British people come to Ireland, they refer to Britain as the mainland, yes, you know, and we're
2: didn't you tell me about? Chris Rock
1: no more or less legitimate yeah I mean that was a that was a bad one I want it can you do you mind retelling yeah, it yeah I I went to Chris Rock in Dublin about four years ago terribly excited love Chris Rock absolutely brilliant he us
2: the stage like a preacher though which you hate though
1: and I just yeah any comedian that's preacher is used <laughs> what did you say he prowls the stage we were talking about how I, I just don't like the idea of Comedian as um, educator, comedian as like I think it's fine. I've definitely learned a lot from stand-up comedy. But if your stated modus operandi is, you know, he comes out like a professor and tells us things. If (laughs) you're if you're trying to teach the already liberal audience, right? Facts about how liberal you are. Right. I'm afraid I'm probably not that interested in your right, show right, right, unless right. you have a very unique take on it. Right. You know, obviously that's yes. that's a that's a fairly obvious thing to say. But like um, I love Chris Rock and I love the I actually like the record that he ended up making out of that tour. But he he just done a run in in London and I've just flown over for one or two shows in Dublin. I think he had two. In the same night, right? And he opened with obviously just the opener that was killing in London. Which is, uh, it's it's so nice to be here in Dublin. You have got the Queen everywhere here. You've got the Queen in the stamps, the Queen on the banknotes. And no, we don't. The, uh, there was a bloody revolution, Chris, uh, in 1916, and then a war of independence in 1920, 21. And we got rid of the Queen then. And you will not find <laughs> sight nor sound of her in the city for the last 90 <laughs> it's years.
0: Such a glaring
1: error. So he, uh, he could tell the gig went super weird. Yeah. And someone explained it to him, and he apologized Because he took an intermission. Yeah, he took benefit of the intermission right there. He, when he came back for the, yeah, he he was so apologetic about it. And it did really, you know, in your mind, it lessened a lot of the satirical political stuff he was doing then. At the time, it was about Palin and Kerry and things like that because he'd made such a balls out of the Uh, local geopolitical situation of of where he was.
2: We've noticed that, that, like, if you don't make... We've noticed two things. It's disproportionate both ways. If yeah. you make an effort, yeah, and it's not to pander, but to, you know, I've done, because I'm hanging out with you. Another thing I'll say is have a wank. Like I, I'm just using your leg. <laughs> I just is that what you just say? Yeah, if it's so, if can't, it, it's, you would it's, never say have a wank. Yeah, but like
1: in well, my, You wouldn't say it that often. <laughs> but yeah, right. <laughs> I like that's what of your... for example, yeah. But it does come up a lot,
2: <laughs> and then and then in my act. I said it one night as a joke, mm. and now I just say it. I just say, like, that guy's having a wank, and they love it. They know that
1: I know <laughs> what I'm doing, I'd I'm altering the say you act. probably, um, you know, suck on the marbles in the mouth of it too much, so the people know it's a word you don't say very right, often. Right, right, right. Like, uh, having a wank. It's <laughs> like, you know, American phrases, like, period, to say that at the end of a sentence. Yeah. It's so American it? to me. Is it? So, it's just funny. If I said that at home, that would get a laugh. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. And so, it's like, stop.
1: It's like pretending I to be in some know. kind of... Why
2: are all our phrases being in a rush or telling someone
1: where you're walking?
2: <laughs> I'm walking here. Get that faster. New York style pizza. It's bigger.
1: <laughs> oh, no. So, the Chris Rock one, yeah, was... Uh, I mean, I... But, I mean, part of the... Like, like, you were worried about references here. Yeah. But I think it's much more interesting. Like, the bummer thing... Uh, to go on stage and make a mess out of it yeah. and just be self-aware enough to go, right. okay, wha- let's go back through that. Well, at see, what point did we lose? Like I saw Mitch Hedberg, one of the great gigs I've ever seen in at a comedy festival in Kilkenny in about 98. And he had his pad out and obviously he'd done his first gig and certain things had uh, gone a little flat. Uh, other things, he was loved. He was a hero. Yeah, 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 but yeah. what intrigued him was, why aren't these jokes? Uh, why aren't some of these working? Right. And so we'd go back through, a th- and there was a joke he had about a wiener, and no one knew what that was. It's yeah. just not a term. That's wiener dog, wiener sausage. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And so that the funny thing for him was like, what do you say? Yeah. And then someone would say whatever the, the schnitzel or sausage or whatever right, the term right, was, right. and then he would redo it with the word in it. You know, like yeah. a very obvious kind of yeah. Pavlovian thing. Yeah. But the audience then just laughed so much because someone out of their comfort zone. Right. Like, there's no point in walking on stage in Melbourne and uh, talking of uh, pretending you know all about right. Australian life. And you don't That's- expect that as an audience member. It's much more interesting right. What your what is your take on what's going on here. That's why
2: the shows at the beginning... This is being the first time I've really performed internationally. Mm. The sets at the beginning were better for everybody in that way. Yeah, because we're doing it on the fly. Yeah, and we're we're taking their temperature in two ways. Is it funny? That's always sure. And do am I even making sense to you? So yeah. it injects this excitement, and that's something I noticed about your act as well, and what you're saying about Mitch it's not an everything.
1: act It's not an act Oh, I'm sorry. You don't like that? It's term. Just talking. Yeah. What you do in your talking? Yeah, my just my professional talking. <laughs> When it's done, act, is it an act? Act implies it's it's a persona and a character. I don't know. I just... Like, my brother's an actor, so I think it's a term from this, the theatre and the stage, yeah. whereas yeah. my uh, nightly professional talking is just... <laughs>
2: that just doesn't roll off the tongue. I don't think that's going to
1: catch on. Okay, act. You can, no, I... Well, I, I don't fun. like routine, either, because that implies the same thing. Your little routine. Well, this is actually... That's what my mom says. You could do one of, oh, one of your little routines. Oh, I had a good one which was uh, Pauline who used to live opposite my parents. I know Pauline. She was bringing in the uh, the wheelie bin. Uh-huh. And, I know the wheelie bin. And the wheelie like the recycling wheelie bin. And you know it. You, know, you used to hide in it when Joe or her oh, right. came yes, back yes, early. You'd yes. oh, to jump into it like the window. <laughs> and um, the wheelie bin, the lid clanked down as she was lifting it. Just made a loud dunk yes. noise. And she looked up and saw me and just put her hand over her eyes and just said, you will put this into one of your skits. Oh, which no. Which I love that. Yes. I love that. Yes. I just, I view, I cycle around on my bike every day ah. looking at the unfortunate, mildly ah. unfortunate things happening to people. That's funny.
2: Let's get back to routine and act and presence, yep. which is something that I bring up almost every episode. Presence, very important. Something that I thought you had. Um that 's something we 've been doing, which is is bit bit detector ready to go <laughs> that 's a newer thing with me is I and you picked up on it quickly, where you 'll set you said the other day you go. We're in the market. <laughs> See, we're in the market.
1: Not something I would say. Yeah. I'd be like,
2: we're at the farmer's market.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. You bought a... It's uh, not really a farmer's market, considering you bought a koala toy there. I bought this at the zoo, didn't I? Yeah. Oh, did you? Yeah. yeah. It's made
2: in Australia, too, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah so don't worry about it, mate. Uh, I know that's Aust- uh, not Australia. Yeah. So you picked up the Take pomegranate, and yeah. you go, just get a pomegranate and leave it on your counter... And every girl that comes over will be so impressed that you know how to fillet a pomegranate, <laughs>
1: or whatever you, I don't or know what whatever it's you out. even you do. has got springs inside. Yeah, 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 yes, you yes. have to
2: hit it with a tennis racket yeah. for an hour or it's, something. It's made in the Japan of heaven. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm pretty pleased with that riff. So I said to you, I say that's ready to go. That that was that was just one of the. I love picking up other people's. Yeah, I know. Phones. You
1: you. I said I had a blazer on the other day. Oh no no! And I said I look like the CEO of homeless people. Yes. And you told me to put that in. So you, I, I, thought I, yeah, you I did. did. No, I put that in last night. Then, it's yeah, perfect. I said
2: that. Sometimes it just feels like a silver, a spoon in your mouth that pulls out smooth and leaves just the ice cream, no metallic taste. <laughs> Which is how you had to sell spoons in the old days. <laughs> that was the aftertaste of metal. Very little, very little. <laughs> so you,
1: uh, anyway, bit detected. I think uh, tins used to kill a lot of people as well, wasn't it? Wasn't that a problem? that They, they used to put lead in tins. Oh, yeah. So they found that certain um, early Arctic explorations, they all died mysteriously, and they pres- presumed they died of frostbite, uh, but actually their old tins, the lids started seeping out into see, the why, meat or why whatever.
2: why it just be okay with being a happy jukebox? <laughs> I bring up Tins and you tell me. Most people would go, Tins poisoned some. Fo-. You know, like a year. Earlier, like, you knew the year of the Irish Revolution. Now I do too. There was a revolt oh, in 19- 1917
1: and a war in 1920 21. My um, my great grandfather was one of the sort of secondary leaders I know of the of the revolution, <laughs> and which is a funny because. I my my so my great grandfather was this man who looked at the sort of civil rights situation and went, Oh yeah, this is worth possibly killing myself for. I'm uh-huh. gonna I'm gonna organise he was like one of the heads of the IRB, who were one of the big organizations and then as happened very come, his son, my grandfather, Kevin, then worked for the government, was a civil servant, sort of set up the tourist board and all of that. Dedicated his life to to the to the state and the country, and and then my dad's a jazz musician, and I have stand up comedian.
2: Ah. So it's just sort of gone like <laughs> over time. Every generation, uh, who was it? I think it was. Um... It was, uh, it was. I think it was Larry David or one of the friends of Seinfeld. <laughs> new material Seinfeld. <laughs> oh, God, I, new material I Seinfeld. I can't remember any of new material Seinfelds. Uh, oh, we gotta do new material Seinfeld, and then we gotta do wrong Seinfeld, <laughs> and then wrong Louie. We have to, and then I'll get back to presents. And uh, my point was. Everybody, Every generation is better looking, is the point of, of Larry David. Everybody just keeps getting better looking. If you look at photos of your great-grandfather, he looked like a turnip, I'm sure. I'm just, I'm just positive. He had a pumpkin face. And now everybody gets better looking. And then every generation, and this is very, very true in stand-up as well, uh, gets everything faster. My example with my generation mm. is we all do... The- I don't do theaters, but a lot of my friends do theaters. Mm. And when Brian Regan, second time he's come up, yeah. was an 80s comedian, yeah. moved to theaters, I remember it was a huge deal. He was like, uh, I'm moving to theaters now. And like he was terrified. Yeah. And uh, the quote that I heard from him, because a friend of mine went to his last performance at Caroline's, was, um, this is my last club performance, then I'm going to theaters, just theaters, and he's like, I'll probably be back in a year with my tail between my legs. Now, so this is a guy who's now clearly doing very well with theaters. But then it just becomes more normal. Gaffigan is a little bit after. Regan did theaters sooner. Now, Mulaney, all these people deserve it, by the way. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Does theaters and he's 30 years old. You know what I mean? It's just preposterous. And Shea, who's younger than me, Michael Shea is 28, he'll be doing it faster. And Aziz got it faster. Aziz is an anomaly. But, like, everybody gets the things that we worked really hard for. It's Yeah, but hang
1: on whoa 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 <laughs> I'm sorry to go back to my father again please but like I if have this, a if jazz. this was the 30s or the 40s We'd be like... And then we've worked all oh, so hard playing these little dance clubs and dance halls and then you get this Miles Davis and this Charlie Parker coming along. They're playing these huge concert halls. I mean, in 50 years' time, they're going to be playing aircraft hangars to thousands of people and there's my father playing to eight people at some crap nightclub. So you're saying it tips? I don't know. I mean, who's to say when this madness is going to end? Like, when I had a con- uh, conversation with Kitson, re- with Daniel Kitson recently, which is... Uh, When we started, I started in ninety nine and the dream, the maximum possible dream Mm -hmm. was there's a club in London called the Comedy Store Mm -hmm. and if you were really good, you would close there. They had two sets on a Friday and a Saturday night and like the Late Show in particular on the Saturday, which was a slightly drunk, bawdy audience, which was, uh, wow, the idea of being so good, you could just go on there because you had to be able to riff someone yeah. would fall over yeah. make a joke about that and then keep the sober people on site as well so yeah, that was yeah, yeah. and now 10 years within 10 years of that people in Britain and Ireland are doing arena tours yes like, so, so the comedy store is 3400 and that yes. was it yes there was Izzard he was doing theatres and there was everyone else yes who aspired to play in the comedy store and now there's probably 12 comedians in the UK who are playing 14,000 a night, 8,000 a night. You know, right, right. the Boosh did it. Right. And then there's guys like Michael McIntyre, Mickey Flanagan, Frankie Boyle, uh, all these people, John Bishop playing these in actual dome. So, yeah, the gold so go- posts they, have shifted enormously. Yes, that's what it is. But, I mean, that's... Personally, I hate gigs and arenas. It's it's. Well, that's
2: you've told me so many great kits and th- I didn't even know who Daniel Kitson was. Oh yeah. And now I heard all this wonderful stuff from you about him, and from uh, uh, from a fella I met. From a fella I met. What, what is this? 30s? <laughs> no that's one talks bonkers. like this. Bunkers. I just yeah. say bunkers. Bonkers, uh, bonkers <laughs> is okay. I use a lot of terms. Don't learn your English from me. Broads fella. I love the broads
1: and fella. What put you, David Runyon? Yeah, from yeah, yeah. There.
2: I, oh, was saying, ladies. I was saying I was saying Sheila here which is the Australian bird uh, not birds uh, well birds yeah, from, broads. The, from the 70s I know and that's what Karen the Australian told me that's what I call her she says nobody says Sheila it's like broads and I go I say broads <laughs> like I, I want to use the <laughs> archaic term for a woman I find it so fucking funny yeah because we're steeped I at least I am steeped in respect for women I really am I'm not just saying that to pander sure so to Call them broads is is just so, I would call them Sheila's is so funny to have a sweet little baby boy, me, who is just (laughs) such a mama's kid, who's just like, I would never, you're my flower, and call them a a broad, be like, You want to go to brunch, you
1: broad? It's so fucking great. I I guess here there's a sensitivity to it because the um, old Aussie persona stereotype. Yeah, in the 70s was the sort of hard drinking oh, okay. uh, white battle hardened guy shouting at his Sheila, drinking cans, <laughs> tinnies, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, which doesn't really reflect the sophistication of yes. the great European-style city that right. is Melbourne. Right, right, right. And right. so I think that's probably why it would be that... I don't have to be that much ironic joy you're in right. you going... You need more hey, distance. do you want some... Get some tinnies, Sheila's, and I'll <gasps> bang you like a, oh, you know, something door in a... Oh God, a dunny door yeah. in a... Yes, in a... Typhoon. Battleship. Or, or, yeah, whatever. <laughs> 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 yeah, no, you're right. There needs to be a little bit more distance there. I need a tiny there. bit more time. Yeah. It's like, yeah... Did did I tell you about this? No. That um, in Montreal at the festival one year, there was an Irish show, Irish-themed show. Oh,
2: you told me it was called the O Show.
1: Yeah, and the blurb was, they're back. Which just means of show. That's fine, but the blurb (laughs) for the show was, they're back, and this time they're not looking for potatoes, which is, although it's 150 years since the famine... It's still not time enough. Oh, that was the soup thing. What is the soup thing? The um,
2: It's not time enough, you're right.
1: <laughs> you told me that's like
2: uh, the Som- if they had a Somalian show.
1: Yeah, or like a Sudanese show. Yes. And it's back, and this time they're not banging small metallic plates looking for millet. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's... it's uh, the, the soup one is... The term so in the famine there was some food in Ireland. In fact, food was being exported throughout the famine to the Great to to Britain because Ireland was sort of feeder peasant nation for there. And um, they and various benevolent uh, organizations, uh, very often uh, Anglican or Presbyterian British churches, came to Ireland to help the poor people, Mm -hmm. and they set up established missions as they were known and very often soup kitchens mm-hmm. and you in order to but the the some well some of them demanded that you convert before you get the soup away from Catholicism which would have been oh. the religion but others oh, no. were just we are Presbyterians has got to be some good soup and we have <laughs> the we have a soup kitchen here and so the local very often the sort of backward Catholic uh, local priest would go do not right. take the soup. But
2: if you saw someone with Do
1: soup... Do not take the soup. Yeah. Uh, it's it's more noble to die of starvation than to take these heathen soup. I realized that as I made my pretty good soup joke that people probably were dying. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, oh, fuck, I've done it. I made the joke. It, it, so, and now, taking the soup is an expression... It's used more in the 70s, to be honest, when there was more tension yeah. between Ireland and Britain still... Uh, and taking the soup is going to England and doing, working over there. Selling we also out. Noticed, well, it's taking the Queen's shilling as well. We're not even talking about selling out. Yeah, I'm just talking about working over yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, was yeah. Uh, Like you'd see someone, you know, on some TV show over there. A, a, a comedian once uh, did the Royal Variety an Irish comedian did the Royal Variety performance and um, the Queen is in the audience and you do a little bow as you walk up stage uh, taking this like there was uh, at home there was this mass thing of like oh, soup taker oh God. so that's where that's where taking the soup oh comes no. from yeah. so oh God. I, but you know I couldn't yeah I, no I just found it funny that someone had tweeted me there in the lift I right. say uh, we've been in Australia for generations and the soup tastes delicious. Thank oh. you very much.
2: Oh, they were self-deprecating. They're making a
1: joke about it, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, but there's such a specific Irish-centric joke yeah. that would mean nothing to anyone else. God, I, I just... It's so... There's so much
2: interesting stuff and I know so little of it.
1: Uh, it's I, true. <laughs> I mean, it's a poisonous cultural legacy but uh, it's still... What do you mean? It's... The... The... the 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 suffering of Irish people over generations and and all of that is pretty awful, you know. But it's nothing compared to you know, what went on with uh, the Jews and the gypsies of Central Europe or anything right, like that. Right. It just, I would, uh, someone once said that uh, the Irish struggle for independence is the most journalistically overreported localized conflict in the world. Uh-huh. And that's probably true because of the nature of the famine and the millions of people going overseas and a lot of them becoming then cops and politicians and then journalists and writing about right, home. Right. So it's something that everyone knows about. Whereas,
2: oh boy, it's such a romantic Place. I don't. I mean, People are so romantic. But even, even you guys, even you guys, even you people. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. But I was watching your buddy uh, Glenn Hansard in yeah. uh, The Swell Season because I realized the first time I watched it I was right drunk, wasn't I? Oh, oh God. God. No. <laughs> I was on a plane. Step out. I know. God I've been so good at not trying to do
1: your accent this whole time yeah go on oh and you just so I mean there's uh, a mm-hmm. uh, like if you put an Irish character into a movie very often fulfills the same role as the um, elderly black character in an American it's, so, it's for sentimental reasons and a degree of wisdom and very often a horrible death will yeah. be met by yeah. the character. Yeah. Like Titanic, the film, is the classic example with all the Irish people in who oh, are in steerage class right. and are just sort of diving out the thing. But right. before they dive, they say something vaguely profound and like, that is your Irish highly yeah. dispensable but of, <laughs> of, of large sentimental value. Right.
2: Well, it, well, this is a documentary. I was watching the Swell season. Not, oh, the documentary. i oh, sorry, once, not once. Yeah. Once is a movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, just Very to close. the listeners. Oh, sure. Once yeah, is
1: you... a it's a it's a no budget film. That People was... who listen to the show know I love once. Once, is a, right? Once yeah. is one
2: of the big ones for me. And I know the the fella, <laughs> I was going to say bloke, but the guy that directed uh, your show directed. He, uh, he
1: did, I, I made some documentaries a few years ago with John Carney, who directed. Uh, I'm not joking. Once. You'd rather call it a documentary instead of a show. It goes back to the act thing. You th- oh uh, well, I know I, this was a specifically. I made a few um, episodes of. Um, I attempted to achieve a task. I made a thing for Irish television about 2008, where I would set out to achieve something every week. Uh-huh. Uh huh. We made f- six of them, and so one week was I put a recorded a live. I'll, I lived in a bed sit, which is like a studio apartment, and recorded a live record in the bed sit, getting in like thirty eight chairs and inviting uh, all the neighbors around. Uh, so it's like putting on a show, standing on your bed. Oh, that's great! And in another one, we tried to get a song of mine to number twenty seven in the Irish charts. <laughs> we got it to number thirty. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, we did. That's and such a clean and simple idea. I really loved it. Right, right. When no, I we didn't really know what we were doing.
2: But that's making But, that, see, it. but that's the thing. People don't know what they're doing. With my show coming out, people want to know what we're doing. And, I, yeah. and as much as they'll tolerate it, I like to say that we don't know what we're doing. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. That's, that's, that's the presence thing. It's For like, sure. We're going to see what works. But you need an idea in these, these days and ages that you can sell. Mm. So it needs to have some sort of com- compelling element. For sure, yeah. And then yeah. two that's open enough that you can kind of do anything. Yeah, yeah. Because that's- it's going to fall away. Yeah. It's going to become Cougar Town, which started as a show about cougars and then became... I'm not saying Cougar Town's a, a good... I've not I've never seen it. Yeah. But you sell it as Cougar Town and then it just becomes another show about nothing. Right, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, and you said, I want to make a show about a goal that's vague, yet yeah. I'm interested and it could kind of go anywhere.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's one of the advantages of... I still live in Dublin and a show like that, it is still possible to come up with quite curveball ideas and pitch them to a The local network is RTE, which, you know, for all the criticism of it, they were willing to throw, I'd say it cost nothing to make this series, I can't remember, but it was six episodes shot on digital. They put it out at 11 o'clock at night. It was no real risk for them to do. In a similar way that, and so I got to really find my, because I did the edit and I did everything, so it wasn't even people from the network there with clipboards going, what's the point of this? What's the point of this? We just, yeah. we screened the episodes to them at the end and yeah. uh, the man had a stopwatch and when they were 28 minutes long for a half hour, he's like, yep, that's the right length. And that was the comment on really? it. Really? Yeah, we just put it out. In a similar way to, that. like, I don't think Flight of the Concords could have, I'm not talking about the TV show, I'm talking about the act, could have developed in, if they... Be doing it in London because the nature of the circuit there would have condensed it down into twenty minutes. Because and they and were growing by doing longer sets. They were doing. They're in Wellington, going on before bands, or doing oh. weird gigs of their own.
2: It's another one of those outliers things. Yeah, where exactly. It's just kind
1: of like they came up in a place that allowed them to do more. I think so, and also it. Well, in their case, it was it. The one thing they needed to be was good as in they had to play well and sing in yeah. nice two-part harmonies because if the people didn't understand the jokes, they still were aware that there is talent here and yeah. it sounds nice. Yeah. And I, I I don't know, I would imagine if you looked at the history of art, there's quite a few things that developed, you know, Stalin came from Ukraine, Hitler came from Austria. No, I'll tell you that it's uh, the... Uh, the the and I got a chance to do this thing on on TV anyway. Carney, yeah, who made Once, yeah, he had the same crew made at the same time. We're making my um my wait during Once we're making you. I think they just finished they it in pickups for Once at the time. But it was the like he he's camera two. Yeah, and he's a cameraman on camera one and yeah. he's a sound man. Yeah, and that's it. So if you're doing a, a scene with five people, you can all fit in a taxi and you just drive to where the thing is and then and it's so you cool. phone a taxi back. Yeah, yeah. it it was um. It was a nice, quite an inspirational way to work. Uh, it's great. And it came out well? You liked it? It's okay. I mean, uh, like, <laughs> ah, I look...
2: That's the American thing. I look You at, should
1: be like, I killed it. But I look at my stand-up from this time last year. I can barely listen to it. It's rubbish. We
2: were talking about that.
1: And the, I look at that, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I see what I should have done there. I see what I should have right, done right, there. Right, right, I mean, it's of a certain... St- There's, like, one or two episodes of it that I... I haven't watched it for a while now, but that I, I think, yeah, that's I like that. That's, that you're that, proud of. That makes of. sense. And so I'm proud of them all because they are mine and they're, they're a fairly unfiltered version of right. an idea, albeit an idea that a man who didn't know anything about television right. had. Uh, but uh, I think they could. It's so, so fun. Like the stand-up thing it's is... It's so fun. Is, but I, I think you need to... You need to think your old stuff was terrible, I know I think that's that helps the writing the new hour every year yes, yes,
2: yes. this is we, we talked a little bit about this, but you have that um and they're also you know they're from uh, wherever they're from Britain i believe but radiohead we were, we you yeah. said something that I thought was quite interesting, which is the idea that an artist is kind of done once
1: he becomes the thing once he becomes well once you figure out the thing that's expected of you, yeah. then I think you're pretty much. You're not. You're not finished financially. Cause I think that's when you probably start to make serious money. Right. You become the camp guy right. who talks about celebrities, or you become the angry preacher type person. Right. right. But if you every year get all of your material and just put it in a bin, you actually go, "What would I? What do I feel like talking about today?" Stuff? Yeah. So yeah. my show last year was I was I was uh, just broken up with a lady, so it was sort of a. I wouldn't say I was feeling sorry for myself, but it was about trying to cheer yourself up from a hole, quite a dark hole you were in. Yeah. Uh, whereas now, I almost in reaction to that, I wanted to write a stupid jokes show with oh, those stupid jokes. Yeah. But then I've sort of failed in that regard because the problem with me and I like I did a show with Dimitri Martin in in New York in September, and I remember thinking, just seeing him on stage and going, "Wow, this is so nice." You know, there's something. So especially me just like talking about mundane details of my life and right you know crying wanks and all of these things that it'd be really nice just to go up and have a joke about table tennis bats yeah and then follow it with a joke about
2: you right. know uh, but I'm I'm sure Dimitri's watching and going it would be nice to let people see some more of me well
1: so, so I tried to write I've, uh, I wrote about 10 proper jokes <laughs> and which are the basis of this right. new show. Right. But then I found what's more interesting and funnier for me the joke. is there's a joke okay, so there's a joke in the show which is um if uh, actually, does this work in America? If Jay Z just gave each of his problems a red balloon, then he'd have a completely different song. Yeah. Okay. Which yeah. Is, yeah, you've yeah. got yeah. That. I nice got
2: it. Yeah. Um, Isn't and lift balloons. Yeah, lift balloons. <laughs> and <laughs> so we, we don't have lift balloons, but we—I know the song
1: because the, some punk group covered it, or it was their oh, song. No, it was Naina from about 1986 was a hit okay that's a bad example here's a better one yeah. okay there's a joke in that in this new show which is well, you've just destroyed that joke for me. No, so no,
2: like, no, no, no 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 it's fine I, I laughed it needs I saw to be done
1: needs to be pummeled yeah I'm pummeling my show dumb. that's what I'm saying to you every night I listen to it and just pummel it no and try and I actually remember
2: the night I saw that it didn't get as big of a response as I thought and I, and I thought to myself what dummies I didn't think what a bad
1: joke so I there's uh, um if uh what is it uh, I wonder if the band sync still get their periods at the same time. Yes. Okay, yes. so there's a proper joke. Yes. And, and I, then- <laughs> I thought of that in a the waiting room in... Okay, so there's a joke, which is reasonably like uh, the audience chuckle at that. Yes. But what's much funnier and much more interesting to me is if I add the kicker to it, which is I thought of that in a waiting room in a vet's surgery while my friend was putting her dog down. That to me is much funnier. Uh, <laughs> She's there, and I'm the uh, asshole sensitive guy who's sitting in the thing flicking through National Geographic uh, or some old yeah. celebrity magazine. A picture yeah. of Justin Timber like this stupid joke comes in tonight, yeah, and like that. Yeah, yeah. And so, so what an attempt to write a show of jokes utterly failed. Yes. I've stumbled on the rocks of actual experience. Right, right, right. And so, that's kind of what this show. Is, like, this show's evolving all the time now. Keep working on it for the next six months. Well, let, let, let's go back to the presence idea, because that
2: is something... W- we were talking about it a little bit. I like to open my set uh, by digging a, a small hole. Some yes. people will people really fuck themselves, and yeah. re- because it's the only thing that invigorates them, because they're feeling dead, <laughs> is, is yeah. to get really bad and call them all cunts, and then try and win themselves back. Yeah. I like to just force myself to do something... Where, where it makes It puts me in the moment and now, and now we're on that present side Yeah But you just want You don't want to do an act It's not a persona And, and you and I, Yeah you, I noticed you doing stuff Where it was like No It's almost like Trying to wake everybody Out of a coma And be like This is this, it's, It goes back to me saying This day This very day yeah. Tell them I'm not lying to you Or tell them that or you, you go this is a proper joke I have some proper jokes yeah and then you tell the joke and then you play a song and you go it was a proper joke <laughs> I sang a proper oh joke oh not-
1: god <laughs> this is exa- this is my problem with when cause when you do that do that, that I go that is what I do that's like because I do I definitely do musical comedy I can't get away from that oh I did what I was saying was bad the worst musical comedians and then I'm just hit with this truck of that's what I do that is That's me. That is actually me. So when you do that, yeah, that is. Oh,
2: Oh, I didn't mean I didn't even think I No, no, you're right. That's what I do. No, 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 no. I meant it as a compliment because you're forcing a real moment. I'm 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 not backing away from what I said in the least. The the I mean I am
1: I hate Uh, showbiz I also didn't mean to minimise it and I hate are you using a term from computing where you've just minimised oh Uh, uh, oh, that's nice it. implies you put it at the bottom of the screen and at any moment you can bring it back again I've minimised a couple other things much more threatening wrong material Seinfeld's been minimised I hate uh, showbiz and I hate status I hate there's a the big uh, Stand up is a massive boom in Britain at the moment, and the show is called Live at the Apollo, and it's prime time BBC One, one of their monster ratings winners. Mm-hmm. And um, sex, your sex is on fire, plays really loud, and a comedian comes out through smoke <laughs> and stands there. And to me, that has just always been so incongruous with the thing that we do. Yes, you know, because they come out, like, your sex is on fire, and yeah. then the lights come on and the smoke. Billows out over the audience, and the comedian stands there and talks about how hard it is to pair socks or whatever. Uh. You know, and I, <laughs> I just think—I don't know. Uh, fair enough. There are comedians who are who, who occupy the the aspirational world of showbiz, right? And who enjoy being uh, that status thing of "I'm I'm not better than you, but I am." This is make believe. This is fantasy. This I'm in a uh, impossibly. I'm in a dicky bow. I mean shiny shoes. Right. Like the guy who once I once died in my ass at a gig in Montreal and a guy said, like afterwards gave me the real dressing down chat of like, look at you. Oh, your that's trousers right. need to be ironed. Look at your shoes. These people didn't come here right. to see a man who hasn't polished his shoes. Right. And because I was twenty six I went Oh God, that's right. Actually, he's got it right. And then possibly for the next week, shone my shoes and continued to die just as terribly. But uh, um, I, I just, I want to establish this sort of (coughs) contract with the audience, which is this is just you. Any of you could have done this, but you have jobs, so you don't have time, right? To think like this is so stupid. This thing I'm doing, right? But I am a normal person. I feel, I, I, I. because I talk about mundane things in my life, uh, I, I, it doesn't fit for me to to talk to to come on through smoke. Right. Uh, Nobody would want that. Well, I don't want it because right. then when I start talking about uh, so what's a really mundane thing from uh, from my show at the moment of like the the problem of trying to go to the cafe to get a cake and but finding that the cakes are none of them are tough enough. For me, and I get really angry because they're all ah, cupcakes, yeah, and I want yeah, a yeah. like a, a flapjack with petrol and jizz in it, or whatever. <laughs> I want a manlier cake than they are making available. The it, that wouldn't fit if right. I'm in a shiny suit, right, right, right. So yeah, the first I definitely like to pull the showbiz rug out from well, under.
2: The, it reminds me of a lot of the people that you and I both enjoy and have worked with, which is uh, Eugene and mm. uh, Dimitri mm. and you. It, it, it's Dimitri's um, title, These Are Jokes, reminded me a lot of your Edinburgh titles. N- uh, not that they're derivative, I'm just saying you have yeah. a lot of... My name is David O'Doherty. Is an, oh, yeah, yeah, of, that's uh, right. Yeah.
1: Let's David O'Doherty is my <laughs>
2: <laughs> But playing with that the absurdity... That the job is just a man talking.
1: Yes. And you did
2: just come out. Yes. I I love saying, uh, and I bet this will resonate with you, I was just standing over there. Like when you come out, you point to the curtain at which you came from and they're all (laughs) applauding. You're like, I was just over there. (laughs) Yeah. I was just waiting for them to say my name and I was standing there like a chump (laughs) wondering what my first joke would be. Yeah. But this is something that I think you and I both appreciate, which is the idea of hyper awareness. Yeah. And extreme, as <laughs> an extreme, like a Doritos flavor, but extreme honesty. Being yeah. like, I, one, of my, I, one of my things that I'm really caught up on now is going, I don't want to begin. Like ten minutes in yeah. the I just don't want to begin. Want sure. I want to feel weird when I start reciting a joke to you. Yeah. And you're the same thing. Yeah. What I was talking about, digging a hole for myself and forcing myself into the moment, because it makes my cheeks go a little flush and it, it makes the adrenaline activate, is something that you also do. Yeah. I notice that you'll interrupt yourself, you'll think of a joke, yeah. and then you'll do it. Yeah. Because you should fucking do it. One of the... Th- I'm sorry, I go on these yeah, plans yeah, no, sometimes. This... Sometimes you'll, uh, a comedian will be doing a bit. And then something will happen in the room. Mm. Here's the difference between a one-year comedian and a ten-year comedian. One-year comedian might acknowledge it and then continue the bit. Yeah. Or more importantly, it's not like someone falling over. It's like something makes you think of something. Yeah. And your whole being goes, talk about that. Talk, sure. Talk about sure. that. It's important to talk about that. And a new guy will try just finish the bit because he's afraid that he doesn't want to lose the time. Yes. Basically. Yes. Whereas a new guy, a, a guy who's been doing it ten years the impulse comes, now is the time to talk about how you look like the CEO of Homeless. Do it!
1: <laughs>
2: because that's the juice. It's not the words. For it's sure. Not, it's
1: not the words. I, no, it's not at all. It's the enthusiasm. Yes, it's, yes, If you are furious about a thing or something's just occurred to you, I had a really... I don't know if this is a profound moment, but at, I, I did the same venue I'm doing here uh, two years ago. And uh, one night... I was in the middle of talking about something and a, a tottering lady in heels the, the way the venue is is the the stage is at the bottom and the seats going up mm-hmm. and when people go for a wee during the gig it's tricky because they have to come down the front and out the door oh I noticed it yeah. and normally I just leave it I acknowledge it once or twice but like it's just boring after a while right and uh, so I saw tottering sort of drunken lady I think she was at the group got up and about 10 steps from the bottom just cast down the steps oh no right and so I but I kept so I was watching it I think I might have been playing a piano chord or something yeah so I just played a bit more and you know this happened quite quickly it uh, and she bounced up to her feet uh, when she hit the bottom. With embarrassment. Well, yeah, but also possibly thinking I might have got away with that. I don't know. Yes. Like, I was worried that she had died initially and then bounced up and she tottered out then. And I think she did faint when she got outside. I remember the staff saying afterwards. But uh, we weren't to know that. Yeah, What we were to know was that a lady uh, came down the steps head first, then bounced up, pretended it didn't happen, and walked out again. Yes. And I... I was playing my chords and I said we all saw that didn't we and it got a bigger laugh than anything I have ever said okay and that is just because a moment arose and we all shared that and we didn't go we weren't mean spiritedly going ha 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 about it it was people are polite and all the rest so we let her get out we all held it in and then as a group we all felt the same emotion yes, for a moment. Yes. And it was a massive release of that tension. You, so yeah. if you can ride the, the the tension roller coaster and know when to hold them and when to right. roll them, then I think, then you can really get some Let's, big reactions from, which is why you can be quite sincere. You know, that that's, if if you understand, if you're, if you've, if you force the audience into your world or not force them in because it's just the regular world but you've assured them this is not showbiz and therefore I'm not going to slam the if you invest in what I'm saying emotionally a tiny bit I'm not going to slam your face in the joke door too right, many right, times right, right, right. you can actually get people empathizing with Wait. with scenarios Yeah, you know there was a bit in the last show that was so stupid it was about it's about getting depressed after you break up with someone and then uh Sitting on the couch for for a month, and there, it was the anniversary of the Second World War, something to do with the war, and there were always Nazi documentaries on, and then eating Domino's pizza, yeah, and then the the which and so it was just this description of this awful life for a while, and the joke, eventually that the 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 only joke was um, about um, Domino's. Even the name is synonymous with things collapsing in a haphazard fashion. And (laughs) because the joke wasn't. And then I got a boner and and banged the postman or something. It was. I got a
2: package for you. Yeah,
1: (laughs) that was was the best bit of that show was this. And then a, a grim description of eating takeaway pizza and how the the slices should come... Dominoes should ask you how sad you are when you're ordering uh, it because then the slices can be concave yeah. to fit your sad face. Uh, they slide in. They
2: go right into a frown. Yeah, <laughs> they go into a frowny face. Our pizza slides easily into a frown. <laughs> Dominoes. You know, a couple things... Um, I'm going to try and remember all of them. One, I want to talk about tension, because we, I, I thought you had some interesting thoughts on the ne- the necessity of tension
1: yeah.
2: uh, when we were watching Papatone a little bit as well. Yeah. But the other thing... and the, this, I don't, Did you ever see a play called uh, Sideman? It's a jazz play. It was about your dad. No, I don't think I did. <clears throat> I don't know how commercial it was. When I saw it, it was in like probably 2000, no, 1999, maybe. Yeah. a long time ago. And uh, uh, Jason Priestley... Was the yeah. lead?
1: So I mean, like the great, the I, great I, man, yeah, <laughs> the great yeah. Jason Priestley, and um, Shannon Doherty is my mother. So <laughs> ah! <laughs> you are of Shannon Doherty. Yeah, I'm of 90210. God, I loved her. Um, <laughs>
2: I loved all of those girls and and all of those fellas. While we're at it, um,
1: what a strange color palette they used for those shows. You know, you the, mean, of the characters. No, I mean the actual just. When that show comes on the TV, you know the way when they make a sitcom now, Big yeah. Bang Theory yeah. has got these six colours. I right. mean, everyone's shirt. Right, right, right. And you have to make it a bit different to Two Red and a Half and Men. Brown, yeah. So when it just comes on the TV, you know. your eyes just pass over it and yeah. you know exactly what that was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas that show had more sort of purple, those kind of weird 90s you know yeah 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 I imagine the mobile. it looked
2: like the 90s it was yeah. like neon there was like turquoise and like kind of aqua blue yeah and, and dark pink. the set was weirdly dark like You're dark right. in the corners and... it was dark in the corners yeah. I never would have thought that <laughs> it had a darkness on the perimeter
1: yeah and and when, I, yes. I don't know if that's a reflection maybe the sitcoms today are not the that is was show. considered gritty by today's standards yeah like there those like leave your it annoys me a lot that saying which is I have smart friends who go to the cinema and they're like ah you know like they go and see a shit film and it's like I just like to switch my brain off that's not good enough. Uh, I just... Like, what's that? There's a there's a... I remember seeing a Waterstones bag with some saying on it, which is like, you only read... You can only read 1,250 books in a lifetime or something. Uh-huh. You know, that's the nature of reading a book a week. Right. I don't know what the maths for that is. Something yeah, or a book yeah, yeah. every two weeks. I understand. So, like, I just don't understand... Spending your time watching stuff that you even guilty I don't really get guilty pleasures I don't understand ah yeah we went there and we just danced to shit music for the Uh, night
2: I I feel like my brain has two modes I I can be a little bit manic and one of them is where I want to be all the time yeah and then the other is what I woke up this morning which was uh, anxious like kind of like
1: just inappropriately anxious, like for no reason. You didn't go out last night or have a drink or anything that I might... think
2: I, w- I did drink a little bit more than I wanted to. Than I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> than I wanted to in the morning. Morning Pete thought Night Pete had too much to drink. Night Pete was like, we could do this all night. Morning Pete said you made some mistakes. For sure, yeah. But, wow. So that does feed the anxiety a little bit. Yeah. But then there's manic Pete. And I just talk about my brain feeling like it looks like goddamn Christmas. If you put me in an MRI, it's just lit up. Yeah, yeah. It's hungry and it's curious. And all I want to watch your documentaries, which I know you're a fan of. Yeah. All I want to do. I listen to books more than read them. Right, uh, yeah. But all I want to do is absorb and absorb and go for a David O'Durdy walk and learn about the potato <laughs> famine. It's true. Ah! That's that's the sweet spot that <laughs> I want
1: the lady killer trick. Hey, baby. how's about we uh, take a stroll? I tell you about the death of 1.3 million people,
2: and how it doesn't compare to the other world tragedies. Yeah,
1: really. it doesn't. Not really. No. Yeah. <laughs> but um, what was I going to say? The, the the I mean that manic thing. I, I mean, so oh this, yeah. This is my I like I I I look at Twitter sometimes, and I. I follow a lot of people who just tweet misery tweets all the time. Yeah. And so I did a live Q&A thing with one of the newspapers here the other day. And there were some people who just came in with, with misery questions, which asking me to... to I'm 23 years old. Like that one, I've I, it's 4.30, I'm still in bed, and I've just eaten six... All I've eaten today is six packets of crisps, packets right. chips right, in right. America, uh, and oh, and then it'll be something like hashtag my life is great, you know. Like uh, uh, my take is that's fine, yeah, that's absolutely fine. Yeah, yeah you just yeah. have to. I mean, own it is the wrong it is no, too buzzword a thing. It. You just have to be okay with it, though. I'm fine, and that's what life is uh, at that. Well, moment. yeah, it is at that time, but it's also at this time. There's days when I don't feel. You know, like, when I'm under pressure, like, two months ago, which was like, I've got nothing for this forthcoming Melbourne run. And, you know, I had bits and pieces, but, and have a freak out day. But just, that's fine as well. Just don't lose your mind. Yeah. Don't force it to change your fundamental character, which is, you hope, yeah, reasonable
2: this this goes uh, this goes to the anxiety thing that I was talking about, and my favorite part of your show, which is I think going to be unexpected. By the way, the side ma- the side man thing. Oh um, yeah, yeah. Is um, it just reminded me of what you were talking about—the woman falling—and yeah. there is something kind of jazzy about it. Maybe maybe if it makes you think anything about the relationship between you and your dad, I, I was very interested in him being a jazz musician. Yeah, and you kind of being in this this is going to make me want to vomit but like a, a, a jazzy appreciation of comedy like a, a, yeah. a present for those of you who don't know most of jazz
1: you know it includes solos I would say all of it yeah you, it's, it's improvising around a theme right where We or have, with no like there's two types of jazz once we've got no theme at all right and that content towards chaos and right. in the wrong hands that is the worst music in the world right because it becomes that sort of anti-music then right and you do start to understand is this Can this person play? Does this person have any rhythmic, harmonic, or melodic talent whatsoever? And then there's the
2: kind where there's, for lack of a better term, a chorus. There's there's structure. Yeah, structure. We play the A part, and then and then we have the solo, (laughs) and then we trade fours. I like your jazzy knowledge here. Very good. My music teacher told me the only thing music can't have is some sort of rhythm. The rhythm can change, but there needs to be some sort of rhythm. Right, yeah. Otherwise, it just becomes noise. That was his credential. But the thing that I think you'll enjoy in Sideman, there was this beautiful... So, Jason Priestley's father in the play. <laughs> if only the playwright could hear me call his character Jason Priestley. Um, so, when Brendan Walsh is, uh, Brandon is um, talking about his father, or, or I actually think it was Edie Falco playing the mother and um, she's talking about how magical it was seeing the woman that she falls in love with play these trumpet solos Yeah. and the thing that really stuck with me was and I was a big improviser at the time you know traditional theater improv was um, incorporating the car horn of a passing car into the solo like yeah. you'd hear like a car oh or, yeah like that to me is a woman falling down the stairs and yeah. we all saw that yeah and, and the jazz kind of way of, of appreciating that fucking it, it, it's life yeah. the show isn't uh, apart from life we're not getting a, in there to get away from that feeling yeah that's why I don't like
1: the act thing
2: that's I what. He, that's exactly why I thought you would
1: like so like I, I play a three foot plastic children's keyboard which is preposterous <laughs> and
2: absolutely that's the name of your next show ludicrous I play a
1: three foot children's plastic keyboard and then brackets I'm 37 years <laughs> old I mean that is the reality of what I'm doing and I I do realize that. So yes. so the, the the to contextualize that a good start a very good way to start my show is like some nights I so I, I'll leave a, there's a a big jack to mini jack lead on stage and I walk out and as I'm plugging this tiny walkman headphone into the back of a children's keyboard I got for my 8th birthday I, there is a moment where and the audience has gone quiet, as if like, oh, the recital has begun. Ah, where I just, I think, yeah, what yeah, the fuck yeah, am I doing yeah, with my life? Yeah. This is Wait, that's ludicrous. like your song.
2: You just made me think of your own song. You talk about the amazing tennis player. But that's the thing. Everybody, like your song, Life, at some point, no matter what you're doing, President Obama wakes up and he's he's seen the code. Do you ever just feel like you wake up and you kind of get existence? I don't mean that in a lofty way. I don't mean you see everything. I just mean you're like, this again. I bet Obama wakes up and sometimes he's tying his tie and he goes, this again. I'm I'm the president.
1: Yeah, (laughs) But, but there again. He then thinks, oh, I better do this or uh, all of these people will die. Right. I better sort out this Korean situation or do whatever I can. Right. Because otherwise, Seoul is 25 miles from the border and they'll kill 20 million people. Right. right or my mother would get up in the morning when they, she had three kids. And I'm not sure she ever had time to, as she was, you know, doing up her shirt, to go, oh, the, to extract herself from the moment like that. Because she was thinking... He's crying, she's shouting at me to wipe her arse right, in the bathroom, right. and that uh, the, I need to make the sandwiches for their school. Well, this, this navel-gazing luxury that we
2: have, yeah. that you and I have, that, that's you plugging in your keyboard. I think you're going, my mother didn't have time to take a moment and go, I'm plugging in my keyboard. Yeah. Um, and, you know, my father had that, too, and certainly my grandfather had that, too, where they were all just working... And and I, that's what I was thinking when I woke up this morning. I was like, oh, I feel anxious and depressed. And it's like, it's a good thing that I'm getting up and going to do this morning TV thing. And then I have this podcast. Something to do. Because yeah. I don't have screaming children or, or South Korea. To
1: yes. Scream. Certainly you need... Uh, I think it's no harm for the human mind. However, this contraption has evolved over time. And I think it is a very flawed piece of machinery. Yeah. And I also <laughs> think that you know, we're effectively, you know, playing PlayStation games on a Atari 2600. I feel that's the way the world is. What do you and mean by that? I mean that it's... T- we're, there's too many stimuli. There's too much everything. Oh, and it's, our bodies are the 2600? Yeah. And we're, and, oh, that's great. That's and great. so we... we I could, I could identify five or six major flaws with my mind. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, it used to get me quite down, you know... I, I uh, was prone to a sort of depression. But then when I came to make peace with the fact that, nah, it's just my stupid brain. Yeah. You know, you try and, you, you definitely try to uh, uh, think your way through these problems, and then just more problems would arise be it problems of love or problems of uh, just jerks in the world. Yeah. Everyone jerking you, getting ri Like I, whenever I used to get ripped off, by uh, mobile phone contracts, whatever. I sure. used to get this uncontrollable rage at the concept of the the moralist corporation screwing over the reasonable individual. Right. It uh, used to fill me with rage for days and days, uh, whereas now I'm just happier to let it go and just, ah, well, these things have, have arisen for this, but you can still try and make the best. Right. Uh, but which is like, uh, I, I mean... Uh, I hate to make it sound like I have any of this sort of sussed or uh, that I I am at peace with the world. Because that's certainly through my stand-up. My stand-up is a struggle and a wrestle and we're trying to mm-hmm. make sense of things. But whereas, like we were talking about C.K., Louis C.K. is, if you like, his ultimate moral position is life is fucking hard. Here's examples of it being hard. Yeah. I, I would like to think that mine is life is hard, but there are good bits. These things yeah. are good. I really, let's emphasize these things that amidst this shitstorm, right. are actually reasonably right. enjoyable. It's
2: the, it's the choice of happiness. I was actually just talking to Pepitone. Uh, we got into a very deep conversation about how eating meat is this fuck it, everything's painful yeah. thing. Yeah. That we know we're doing something shitty. It's a great Louis C.K. bit about it. I know I'm being an asshole yeah. to this animal, sure. But we're all trying to step on whatever we can to elevate ourselves because there's so much pain and stuff around us, right? And yeah. all of these things, not to sound too lofty or, or dark, there's so much pain and anxiety and fear. But there is more love. I think there is more love. But it, we need to tune our radio heads into that frequency.
1: Yeah, I guess so. And and the 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 ridiculousness of the 37-year-old man playing the three-foot plastic keyboard, I feel, is hopefully a manifestation of an acknowledgement of the stupidity and the incongruity of everything that you, 600 people, have all come to see this thing. Right. Like, isn't that in itself a pretty funny thing? It is
2: a funny thing. I love that you said that. I did morning TV this morning. Oh. And I'm telling you, I'm sorry to keep bringing it up. Oh, which show was it? Morning 9 or something over satellite to Sydney. So I'm trying to do comedy. (laughs) I'm trying to do comedy. And uh, David, the guy uh, that does the show, is a fan. So I I did enjoy doing it, but it's hard to do comedy with a three-second delay. You know what I'm saying? You're trying to... On a...
1: um, A a green
2: screen with the city behind you? Yes, (laughs) it's, it's not a green screen. It's a huge television. And I was going to do a whole bit about how that's not a window, that we have technology to simulate a window behind me. We couldn't just cut a hole in the wall. I didn't get to it. But, so I woke up and I was just filled with blackness. Just really, like, tired of being this guy, tired of living in this world, feeling like I was doing things wrong. Again, here's Conscious Pete sitting at a table yeah. with a friend. Yeah. I don't feel that way. Okay, that's yeah. how I felt this morning briefly. Yeah. And as you pointed out, the drink probably didn't help. The drink. Anyway. <laughs> that's the most Irish sentence I know. you've ever I'm said. The drink, I the know. demon drink. I no, 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 no. I no. can't I, help it. So, but here's what I think you'll get. Yeah. I'm sitting in this room. I have an earpiece in. I'm waiting for a, a television that's not, a, a camera that's not manned by anybody, but a robot to uh, Light Up Red and I will be broadcast over a satellite to Sydney. And in between, as I'm sitting there, they're playing these I call stories. it
1: dystopian nightmare comedy. Was the, uh, the let's see, what would be the, like Vangelis synth music should have just been playing? Like Blade Runner music. No, 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 no.
2: Exactly. But while I was waiting, the stories that they were running, one was Lose Weight While You're Sleeping. One was how to redecorate your children's bedroom. Now, I want to be clear. I'm not shitting on the show. Yeah. In fact, I was like, there's no fear in this broadcast. There's no panic in mm. it. Uh, there's no, there's not even sadness. It's, it's, it's a bit of an antidepressant, you know, on the sure. screen. And I get that, and that's fine. And yeah. it's, in fact, what I kind of needed that morning. But I was sitting
1: there... I'd like to watch the Fear and Sadness morning program ah. just there, <laughs> where the guy comes out and says uh, yes. the rate of prostate cancer men over eight, <clears throat> the age of 85 is 100% <laughs> now with the weather
2: well that's so funny I've been watching The Simpsons lately <laughs> Anyway, the, the end of that story was that I was just laughing. I was laughing really yeah, hard yeah. at nothing more than the morning television equivalent of a 37-year-old man plugging his keyboard in for a room full of people that paid to see it, for the yeah. privilege to yeah, see yeah, yeah. So I'm laughing at that. But I've been watching The Simpsons lately, and The Simpsons has all these weird little dark moments. And I don't know why. I, I blame the jet lag. Right. So when it's 3 o'clock... Yeah. At home, it's five a.m. the next day here, or, or whatever sure, seven a.m. Yeah, the next yeah. day. So I'm all fucked up. So normally the time when I would be in deep sleep, I'm awake. Yeah, and I think I'm processing these thoughts. So I'm watching The Simpsons, and any time, like there was a plot where Marge uh, didn't love Bart as much anymore. Yeah, and it was like because he shoplifted. It was like stirring me. Yeah, like I was like. I don't like this. I don't like that the mom doesn't like the son. Yeah, yeah. Smithers got hit on the head and one of those cartoony (laughs) bumps grew up. And I went, I don't like that there's pain. Yeah. We're all stuck in these bodies that can be decayed and die. And then there was a scene where Homer is putting Bart to bed and they're talking about death and... And he's like, "Don't be sad that Krusty died. You could die at any moment. I mean, your heart could explode at any time. You could wake up dead tomorrow. Yeah. Good night." And the joke is that you shouldn't say that to a
1: child. And I'm watching and I'm having these mini existential crises. I mean, uh, I uh, can I uh, I feel that is one of the key differences between American culture and Irish culture in particular. Like death has always been much more in the foreground of Irish culture. You know, if you think about. Irish authors yes. the sort of literary revival of the early 20th century with Joyce and then into Beckett but then into people like Flan O'Brien you know it, it, Oscar Wilde even a lot of that stuff is yeah. it's about life is hard but does, look this is nice right um, whereas I, I, obviously this is a, an unfair comparison because America's got literature that's just as great as Ireland's literature but American popular culture it's just so shiny So Right Like, like my friend Works in ads And uh, He was telling me about Nor- I think it's a Noor Do you have Noor quick soup? No and It's it's like some brand of quick soup okay. But they have a, 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 an, a An Irish division And there's also an English division And an American division And uh, It's some campaign for soup Which was They're trying to get people in offices So they invented this uh, Bullshit thing called The three o'clock slump and so get over the three o'clock slump right. by having a stir in It's like Taco soup. Bell with a fourth meal. They're trying to make you... Exactly. Yeah. They're, they're introducing a
2: need. Exactly. And then they're offering the remedy.
1: And he uh, just made uh, a very interesting observation. that So they cast for the Irish ad, because it's the same script for all of these uh, markets, mm-hmm. and the Irish ad they wanted, it was still, they wanted just every man, regular uh, man and woman working in office together and they go into the canteen and they've had a stressful day and they unwind for a moment by having a delicious, rehydrated, powdered, dead animal, okay? And then he... So, so the, the audition was specifically find every man, every woman, please. Yes. And then he saw the American version and American concept of every man, every woman was this preposterous, aspirational... Uh, lady and man with and teeth yeah. and who were buff and but by the standards by the ridiculously uh, high norms of yeah. shiny america yeah. these were every man and every woman yeah. because even Compared the, the newcaster newscasters have uh, fake noses or whatever right, it, right, right, right. whereas there's still a kind of a <laughs> grittiness to to uh I don't know, that, that so um, death is just the one thing. Yes. The fact that everyone's trying to look young and, and right. on American television and no one wants to admit that they're 60 or even that they're 37. Right. It's just this big, we do not talk about right. that. Right. That, uh, that I think that, that when di- it's why it's, it's it, like there's a bit of my show about having a pet and the one great thing about having a pet, I think one of the most important reasons is the pet dies. And As a kid, you see that a life cycle is quite a short thing. Yeah, that everything doesn't last that's forever. Funny. I had a similar bit, and and
2: I, I'm remembering
1: that as you say that. I, yeah, I think I think that's quite an, uh, an important. L- it's good to have death at the forefront yeah. of your society. It's it's like Day of. You could go on about Day of the Dead in Mexico and all of that, where yeah. it's just this. Hey, everyone gonna end soon so let's let's up the the. I'm not saying let's get happier but let's just try and do more shit right let's not just eat six packs of crisps in our bed right
2: right right I actually noticed that about you because the thing that, that um, stops me from doing more and not being white hot Christmas brain Pete it tends to be anxiety not to force that back again but like when I got here uh, it didn't hurt my feelings or anything but it just uh, reminded me I said to you I was like is there a movie theater around here and you're like yeah, but you got to do Melbourne-y things. Like you, and I was like, Jesus, he's right. But that, see, that's why a guy like me needs that, needs the tour guide element, which is like, let's just go to the botanical gardens or let's see what this market thing or whatever. Because yeah. like a bad comedian, I will I will hole up. Right, and yeah. It's when I'm holding up that I'm watching The Simpsons and going, I don't like that
1: pain is a thing. <laughs>
2: It's not when we're walking around the botanical garden. Yeah. That, that was quite a bit of fun.
1: Yeah. So, I, yeah, I know. But there is, I don't know, I just, I've had a few key figures in my life. I definitely have a tendency to ball up. And there was a few years where I did that, where I had left home, I was doing stand-up, you know, it was going okay, but I had an awful lot of time to myself. Mm-hmm. And I always used to, I've, I've had this joke that I've been working on a book for years I'd, but if anyone asks me about it, I punch them in the face. Ah. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 there was a few years where I was definitely just lying in bed too long. Yes. I, I, but then I have a few friends who are much more, not even highly motivated, because that gives them a sort of Anthony Robbins type feel. Yeah. But are just, so I have a friend called Ben, and Ben's thing was, we used to play this really stupid game called Pitch and Putt don't think it even exists in America, which is like golf, but the holes are between 15 yards and 30 yards long. Uh-huh. It's generally played by people who work for the bus company who have come off their shift. It takes about an hour to do a round, uh-huh. and it's like, you know, it'd be $5 for a round. And Whereas golf is all about dressing up and uh, in your golf gear, yeah. and being polite and shaking hands. Like when, if you go to a pitch and putt course in, in Dublin, <laughs> You just hear, like, bollocks ringing around. And people smacking clubs off trees and everything. And that became our thing. For uh-huh. about two years, we got frighteningly good at very, very short golf. And, but it was because he would just call over. And I'd be like, oh, I'm working on my book. At right. the moment he go, you will be down. Da- I'm down outside. Yeah, 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 I'll be yeah. standing here for one minute and yeah. you will join me here. But i get changed in the car. That this, sort of thing.
2: This is a huge... Thing. And I know it's a, a weird... You know what it's weird to do is shine a light on it, but I'm going to do it. Yeah. Is the idea of something unique about you that I noticed was you will just pop over. Oh, yeah. Like, you'll just come and knock on my door. Yeah. And I'm embarrassed because there's, there's a summer camp feel to that. My utopia, my happiest time, and my, my secret desire to live on a commune is always, like, in the idea... Of people popping in. But that's it. I mean, that's what we... like. But we don't do it anymore. I'm embarrassed that I've, been, I've, I've created a world where no one pops in. You popped in and you made tea, you <laughs> motherfucker. And you brought me ice cream on my birthday. And look, I, I know it's weird to talk about it, but I was like... One of my big things is love and happiness mm. and joy are things we can give each other. Yes. We have the currency. Talking about our act not being an act, just being a guy talking and still delivering joy and peace and happiness to people in real time is, is similar. And sex being one of those things. Sex is an ingredientless sure. act that makes two people quite happy if done properly. Yeah. And also coming by and just saying hello. I have a joke. I don't know if I did it. I bought a coconut water and the cashier, said, I finished it before I bought it, and the cashier called, said, You devil. She just goes, yeah. you devil And I was in a good mood, I'm not ex- exaggerating For about three days yeah, Because a yeah. woman called me the devil So we have the tools yes. We can give each other these gifts We can pop in, we can make tea and We can tell jokes, we can sing songs And you can come by and say Motherfucker, I know you want to stay in your stupid house yeah. Because I'm also on earth yeah, And I also know pain But like in your show There's also children who want to draw
1: Quote, my favorite things as you say. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Let's sit down and draw the things we like.
1: The, the, I mean, we, the collapse of community as we know it is a very interesting, uh, so it it interests me a lot because I grew up in probably the most ethnically undiverse country in the world. As in, the Ireland that I grew up in was uh, in 83, it was what, 93 or 94%, not just white, but white Catholic. Mm. So there's this like it was the highest church attendance rate in the world Ireland and the Philippines oh in um, 81 I think it was it's like, something like 77% or maybe 67% anyway it was just this enormous of people all doing the same thing mm-hmm. and with that that has mostly downsides to it it was preposterously uh, unadventurous culture mm-hmm. it was also a sort of self-policing culture where people were also staring at each other going, oh, that's very strange. Morality? That's weird. Sort of just- uh, um, no, it would be more like, you know, if you didn't fit into the norm that had been created in this homogenous society. You know, I make a joke about it, that it was the only country in the world where parsley was regarded as a spice. <laughs> where someone had take a mouthful of vegetable soup and be like, "Ah." Oh! a foreigner has made that you know (laughs) that's the downside and if you didn't fit into this ideal say if you were gay it was just what no No, no, you just with was no place for you in this that is the horrible downside of it the upside of it though was that if you because everyone was pretty much the same there wasn't uh, there were richy riches in Ireland but there were very few there was most people belonged to a kind of a middle class Mm mhm uh, there was a working class, there was mega Richie's, but most people, like the road I grew up on, it was jazz musician, a father, uh, a guy who drove a digger for the local city corporation, mm-hmm. and a doctor. And so we were all living on the same road and all of our kids w- were playing together. And because everyone was so familiar, not, with, not necessarily with everyone else's business, but everyone's general modus operandi, mm-hmm. when you went to the shop, and you looked a bit glum. The shopkeeper was Marietta. And she would go, what's wrong with you? Really? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, Are you saying this in a good way? Yeah, I'm okay, saying yeah, this yeah. the upside. It sounded like
2: we went to a good place.
1: The upside of that. Yeah. The downside being um, utterly freezing out anyone who doesn't fit into this. Right. The upside of it being it... it, it was self-regulating because everyone was open to everyone and everyone right. was quite similar
2: knowing your neighbours
1: knowing your knowing neighbours all of that even the idea that I I grew up in uh, Sandy Mount part of Dublin and my granny uh, lived there as well and then Various members of the family were around. So for things like babysitting or anything like that, it was, yeah, we just get what's-his-name over. But then also there were 10 other options on the road of people. And that's lost now. That's gone. You know, in the case of Dublin, the uh, house prices went so ridiculous and the area that I grew up in became super posh. Really? So people couldn't afford to live there. So family are now scattered further around. Yeah. people end up living in apartments where no one wants to live there so you don't bother making friends with anyone because you've the aspirational thing of wanting to get out of there as soon as possible and even getting to know the people who live is almost like an admission that I'm intending on staying here. I never
2: even thought of it that way. Well, it's that
1: thing that intrigues me about America which is how they get poor people to vote Republican it's yeah. just a mystery. And the reason is some incredibly high statistic of uh, people believe that, oh, yeah, but this time in four years, I'm going to be a business leader. I'm going to be a millionaire. You're right. So these low taxation policies and no benefits are really going to be important. For you in, in the in, future. In the future. Whereas now they're stinging me. But that's fine because I'm... Uh, because
2: we all think... It's like Fight Club. We, we were all raised to think that we'd be movie stars and, and uh, millionaires and all that sort of well, stuff.
1: Well, I don't know about that because I wasn't really raised to... Well, you weren't. I, 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 I just, it's that aspirational world that... The world of people flicking through celebrity magazines right. and making easy judgments on all these people. Is, I hate that. Yeah. It's just Showbiz to me is just a circle of misery where it's people who think they're better than you... Yes. appearing on television and in magazines. Yes. And uh, then people who want to make money put them on television and in magazines and then people consume it by going, oh, I hate this person. This person again flicked through magazine. Oh, I hate that. Right, right, right. And then, so the revelation of recent times for me has been that I am part of this because I... Work in this circle of doom, right? But there are spokes of it, hopefully, that right. aren't as bad as others. Well,
2: that's that's what you were saying, the Oscar Wilde thing. You say you're you're participating, you're in the matrix, yeah, the, the gross matrix, yeah, and and it's pain and it's judgment and it's uh, what's Brad Pitt naming their baby sort of stuff, yeah. But then there's also a silly song from a man with a keyboard, plastic small pl- three, yeah, plastic keyboard he got for his confirmation, yeah. yeah.
1: The the so you hope. You, but but back to the community thing. You you, you now because we probably my generation. So it has been that thank goodness that Ireland is gone now in the past. Ireland went from the highest church attendance rate in the world in 1981 to the lowest in Europe really? now. Marriage rate is the lowest in Europe. No, you know, like I've lived through this revolution that is comparable to uh, what happened in Eastern Europe. In terms of the church just ran my country, yeah. And in nineteen, I think eighty nine, uh, a woman went on uh, Ireland's premier chat show and said that she had a son with the Bishop of Galway, hmm. and Ireland went, "Oh my goodness!" He was uh, the kid was like eleven or twelve, and she said, "And the bishop has been paying out of church funds," and we were outraged Mm -hmm. and that in terms of the tip of the iceberg that is like the happiest story that was to come in the eon of darkness that has followed since then yeah and it has caused everyone to question everything kid and all but like all of that yeah and them in cahoots with the government and the cover ups yeah and channeling money into yeah. the church and then doing deals with insurance companies and then interviewing victims of child abuse and grilling them to so that they make uh, their stories don't uh, have inconsistencies and paying lawyers then to go you're lying you're lying you lied about this child abuse oh. you know the most horrific on, um, I mean, this is just the Catholic side of things. You know, as it happened, there was a revolution in 1921. And as happens very often, there's a vacuum after the revolution. And the, the, the revolutionaries took over then. And revolutionaries uh, traditionally are terrible politicians. Mm-hmm. So that's what happened. And political parties, there isn't really a left and a right in Ireland. There's two parties that came out of the revolution. They don't really have opposing policies. And very often... Uh, their sons then became uh, members of parliament, mm-hmm. and sometimes their grandsons are now members of parliament. So you have these political dynasties, not based around them being good leaders or idealists or politicians. It's a mess of a country. It's a great <laughs> French documentary was made in '68 called "The Rocky Road to Dublin," which was France was experiencing a Sounds revolutionary delicious.
2: time. <laughs> oh god oh god he's done the
1: thing he's done the thing I'm a professional um the which was just about it was an example of a country that had won its revolution but effectively lost its peace yeah. like what do you do yeah. and there's a very interesting comparison there would say Egypt today which won this revolution and now various interests have piled into the vacuum to go well we are now the rulers of Egypt um So Ireland, like, my country made of balls out of itself. And because no one, because the church and the government were in cahoots to sort of I mean mind control is too strong but it's the downside of that idealistic white picket fence Ireland I described mm. was that no one really thought too deeply about is this structure that's governing our lives a, a good thing and it seems to be a requisite for the white picket fence I, like it reminds Very me interesting. of 1960s yeah. America yeah yeah and so the revolution that I've lived through is the collapse of everything <laughs> and so now there is an interesting Almost nihilism in Ireland, which is, what do we believe in? the yeah. the, the church, the, you know, the, <laughs> the banks were in cahoots with the government, God. and I do not believe in a single institution now. I treat, uh, I, you know, I, I it sounds like I'm, uh, it's almost back to a frontier time, yeah, which is everything has shown the- itself to be untrustworthy. This is this
2: is the choice. Not every, not just every nation, but every person has to make between, I think, the happiness and the, the, the simplicity, even though it's quite complex simplicity, of believing in things yeah. and reaping the rewards of those things, meaning we're Irish Catholics, this is my neighbor, he's a digger, yeah. this is my neighbor, he's a doctor, and I play jazz piano and we all go to church, and then there, we're always on the brink of kind of like, or we could go down the truth hole yeah. and see what happens if we're nihilists and yeah. just, who's happier? It's the Matrix. It's I know. The, it's the blue pill.
1: But the but the downside of the the nihilist policy is Pete lying in bed feeling the doom yes. because he doesn't want to call in to anyone around him because they might try and rip him off. Yeah. Uh, Hook, so they're hooked on doom. There is <laughs> a there's a there is a but there is hope. I mean the fact that so many people come to see the man with the three foot plastic keyboard in Melbourne 12,000 miles from his home mm-hmm. because they like this silly idea of joy mm-hmm. that fills me with hope you know yeah. so where I say I don't believe in anything I still believe in people Right. I just think that uh, people in large groups make curious decisions Yeah. and that's why I call in to you uh, to hang out right. because
2: well we're generating our own joy
1: I think we are and yeah. if you try and deal with too much of this stuff on your own I think you can if you're feeling really doomy yeah you can read an inspirational book or you can look at a film that makes you feel you know watch Harold and Maud or something and you right. feel so you can do that but you can also just go and hang out with your friends and right. play stupid shitty golf and throw your club at a tree Right, and that is Fills the time, right. And when you go to sleep that evening, you don't feel this gnawing, right? It, that's what I mean about another one of the flaws of the the stupid machinery of the human mind, which is, you know, if if you try and process everything, you 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 think about everything too much, and then you do end up just lying in bed because you haven't right. been able to think right. about everything, you haven't been able to decide how you feel right. about. Uh, the people that rule the world or whether you should have illegally downloaded that film or whatever whether you should have eaten that meat whereas if you just delightfully distract yourself as much as possible I think that's a legitimate life as well that sounds like some beautiful
2: atheism I, I feel like you're going after the same things that me as a uh I still remain, I I lean towards Christ because that's the story that I enjoy. Sure. I don't necessarily think that it's uh, a a true historical telling or whatever. Yeah. But um, when I was deep into Jesus, what you're saying and what that guy would tell you was looking for the same thing. Yeah. What was debilitating about it was I used to um, ask for joy. Yeah. And I used to ask to be given peace or whatever. Yeah. And uh, I've said this on the show before, but the idea that through different activities... I used, to, I used to ask... I thought this this morning. So I'm really fucking anxious this morning. I told yeah. you. I, I was just like, what am I doing? And I'm telling you the truth. I'm in the running for the greatest life of all time. For me. I, I just... I love, I love my life. Yeah. But that doesn't mean I don't wake up and go, what the fuck is this? Yeah. So in the past... I had this memory of, there was this song where I would, it's called, it's, it's I will cast all my cares upon you yeah. to God. You sing it to God. Yeah. I lay all my burdens down at your feet. That's how it goes. Yeah. You're not yeah. supposed to sing it silly like I just did. Yeah. And I remember I would just repeat that over and over to myself. Yeah. And, and the dread of being 12 years old and noticing that it wasn't working. And I was like, I'm not casting anything anywhere. Yeah, There are no feet. I'm, I'm fucking. Tying sp- your bummers to a tree. I was trying to tie my <laughs> bummers to the God feet tree. And now I woke up and I meditate for half an hour yeah and I did feel better, you know what I mean that so what I'm saying is I'm, I'm mildly patting myself on the back, but I'm trying to share my progress yeah because um, that's important and then the thing that I'm learning from you is uh, go knock on a door, go play mini golf yeah or, or just fucking we've done a million nothing things yeah Don't go eat fucking faux noodles and talk about how Bill Clinton ate two bowls of them. <laughs> And then have me tell you that it was virtually nutritionless. But at least we're not... Yeah, <laughs> I, I did
1: hold out that that faux meal, faux P-H-O, yeah. not F-A-U-X, faux noodles. Oh, that's when you said faux noodles. I was what? thinking like, oh, Pete I- really knows his noodles because he's uh, called those fake noodles. Uh, classic pun. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I was, I went to Catholic school. Yes. Uh and I uh, said an awful lot of prayers. My parents certainly weren't very religious. But um, the uh, the understanding that I came to, like about 15 or 16, was that if God were to exist, and we can't be sure, I mean, I, um, I get very angry at that sort of overly assertive atheism that is all the rage. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he... Slash she has given me the capacity and the rationale to decide, in my opinion, that he slash she doesn't exist. So technically, right. it's his slash her fault right. for me not believing I, in I, him I, slash her. Yeah. So uh, that said, I think um, morality is a is it's something that exists. I don't mean it exists in the ether. I mean that I have a fellow feeling for those uh, around me whereby I hope something terrible doesn't happen to you. Now the problem with that is it definitely, you know, when I, if I hear about a bus crash in Dublin that 28 people die in, I get quite sad about it. Mm -hmm. And yet when I hear about one that happens in Nepal, like the bus toppling off a mountain, I probably don't feel as sad because it's, it's a fellowship to do with those people who uh, live around me, right, right, right. Um, so it is a once again a flawed, very flawed system that doesn't make a lot of sense. Right. But uh, I, I have, I've got a, a lot of peace out of that idea of that that it's. That morality doesn't necessarily collapse if you don't have a god head at the top of it.
2: That's that's a big our friend Kumail taught me that when I went through my atheist phase, which I still I still enjoy dabbling in. It's yeah. it's I, I I look at my my faith is like a screensaver, one of those things that's constantly moving. I know that sounds so I hated that I said that, but yeah. I couldn't think of anything the pipes that just one. Kept
1: moving. I was the actually, pipes one? or the one with the <laughs> You were your whole life is based on Windows ninety five. (laughs) After this, we'll play Minesweeper for a few hours. (laughs) Not the pipes one. I was
2: thinking I had one that I liked that was just the the screen just changed colors and then there'd be drops (laughs) dropping into it. Yeah, I could have just said constantly moving. So I still enjoy uh, atheism as an option and as a thought, as a thought experiment or whatever. But Kumail, I remember he was one of the was the pioneers of it. And I remember being like we were in this hotel and I think I've said this on the show before. we in this hotel where it would would have been very easy to steal from the little shop they had. Yeah. And I was like, So why shouldn't I steal this? Yeah. And he was like, Because maybe the woman would get in trouble and she could lose her job yeah. because on her shift she keeps people keep stealing during her shift. So then she won't be able to provide for her or her family, and then she'll, you know, be in pain. You'll cause pain. Yeah. So we should not cause pain, not because God's going to wag his finger at me and send me to
1: hell. Yeah, and also you'd, I would feel bad having stolen it as well. Right. It's just because of that, because of a consciousness of that immorality, that it actually would give me bad feelings. Right. Stealing the chocolate then.
2: I... I love that you assumed it was chocolate. Is
1: that yeah. Like, is this a fat joke? <laughs> well, if it was... <laughs> <laughs> if it was a hotel, a shopping hotel, it could have been one of those straps that goes around your case that's brightly coloured so you can see it uh, on the carousel. Uh, I need one of those. those. They're the only two things <laughs> they sell in those shops. And sunblock.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, no,
1: no God, then? No. I mean... <laughs> no, no. I uh, have only bad experiences of... You know, there's an there's a very interesting uh, one of my favorite YouTube clips is a I think it's called the God Debate, which is uh, Christopher Hitchens and Stephen Fry. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christopher Hitchens, the big atheist. Yeah, it, it, he, he died last year. A great writer. Yeah, uh, God is not great. Uh, that's yes, he wrote that. Yeah, him and Dawkins and it, the God Delusion. Yeah, Dawkins is the God Delusion, but yeah. um, the um, who's the other? Uh, uh, this the, the, the three, anyway, there's the three big. Is uh, Stephen Fry the theist? Uh, no, Stephen Fry is an atheist as well, a great British intellectual, actually okay. hosts a lot of stuff. He used to be a, in a comedy double act partner with Hugh Laurie. Oh. Huh. And he uh, hosts one of the great British TV shows, I think called QI, mm. uh, these days. And anyway, it's him debating versus Anne Whitacombe, who's a conservative politician and a dude who's like a African bishop somewhere in Africa, I can't remember. And uh, Stephen Fry just makes this point, which is that if you, and this is very much the tale of my Catholic education, is if you meet virtually any priest, they will be very, it's very often an inspirational character, and will, if you bring up any of the big issues, such as, uh, the promotion of not using condoms in the third world—they all go. God, what are they on about? What are these idiots in charge on about? Mm-hmm. But the bottom line with Catholicism, at least, was you don't you don't pick and choose. You sign up to the whole. You know, you know, when you click the thing on iTunes, you are allegedly agreeing ah. with, with all all <laughs> of that stuff. And uh, which yeah, and there's an interesting uh, analogy there with. I voted for a political party if you're th- I voted for the Green Party in Ireland who uh, contributed very much to the collapse of the Irish economy There's a joke there, I'm not going to make it uh, Oh, the Green Party yeah. in Ireland Oh, but they're all yeah. Green Parties I yeah. thought
2: that I didn't even have to make it <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I knew it wasn't going to be as sophisticated joke it's right on the surface Um, you could skip a stone on most of my jokes
1: and and the clicking the the voting for them was almost the same as clicking like you know if iTunes just inserted into their thing and we um, own your soul Right Then I would still just oh, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, need, course, the new, I need the new I need the thing that Where you can get the right. Podcasts and it keeps Down right, right, the right. new episodes So it's fine Right, right, right um, the, But the 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 Stephen Fry point is that With At least with the Organised Catholic which, which I guess is a bad example Because no one's a, Or there are very few Committed Catholics But in order to for me to have maintained that, I would have had to agree with everything, right? And there's uh, including not using condoms in third world countries, or not. Yeah, I mean it's, uh, but there's a million things like that right. that I would have to agree with, and uh, and also with the 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 setup of Catholicism is with the Pope, the Pope's repeating the word of God. This is actually yeah. it. So yeah. do you agree? If you don't agree with everything, you don't believe in this God. So it was a very limiting sort of option that I got. Now, as against that was, my mother was uh, Anglican, which is very rare in Ireland, which was, uh, it's called a mixed marriage, which is such a funny Uh. term because it sounds like you know, a uh, uh, a Serb marrying, right? And, you know, Kosovar Albanian, or whatever kinds of Christians. Like of the, uh, right. but you, it was an interesting. Even as a kid, we'd go to the Anglican thing, which is very loose, the loosest. Pot. My 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 friend, um, I'm friends with Neil Hannon, who's Divine Comedy, and his father was a bishop, and he describes the Anglican faith as the um, barest. Excuse for a religion ever? Because anytime there's any debate, they just go, "Yeah, well, fuck it." It's really? Yeah, like we let women in. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter. <laughs> and like we we let gay people in. Yeah, sure, yeah, it's fine. Isn't yeah. it good though? Yeah, I guess it is. Yeah, yeah. If, if you if it doesn't uh, affect the well, I mean, the the yes, it is good if you still believe in this thing. But it contrasted so sharply with the Catholic intransient thing right. of. The shouting priest going, learn off the, like, the Beatitudes we had to learn off. Which are these, like, insane, like, a sort of bar mitzvah vibe of learning off pages and pages of this crappy dogma. Mm. And you don't even know, like, you're nine, so you don't even know what adultery is. all these, we were told adultery was horseplay what do you mean like when your brother jumps in your back and oh they told you that adultery was horseplay yeah because when that's obviously was the the way to sell it to the under oh my god it was too complicated to go into the sex thing but it's also
2: very convenient that Christ says if you look at another woman lustfully you've committed horseplay in your heart (laughs) I don't want to be a horseplay in my heart that's terrifying the, uh, so yeah so I always had the view of these two different
1: things and, and
2: I envy this though because it's such a better machine to rage against I had a much more vague ethereal buddy Christ right? Um, yeah. I didn't have the Pope that you could say well that guy's foolish. I don't mean to be disrespectful but yeah. I'm saying if you say he's full of shit about the condom thing yeah. then that's an easy gateway to be like well I'm, go- I'm just going to leave all of this yeah. whereas if you have a more amorphous Christ church that allows for some of these more discussions, uh, it's harder to get away from dogma, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I mean, what I found, though, was when I... You know, I I had God very much just, like, beaten into me is too strong a word, because it wasn't that sort of a school, or wasn't that sort of violence. But I found that when I pulled the God thing out, the house of cards didn't collapse, that Uh the whole... I still had a... Belief structure, and uh, I appreciated my friends, and yeah. I didn't suddenly feel like shooting the shop owner in the head right, or right, any right. of that. So right, and then it seemed to yeah, I've just or that it we're from just flirting in
2: space. That that is, uh, I believe it's Margaret Sweeney, when she was I forget her name every time. She's a great one-woman show called Letting Go of God, and one of her first things when she became an atheist was dealing momentarily with the terror that we're not in the hands of god that we're just floating in space yeah that we're a very delicate mixture of gravity and atmosphere and uh, you know the sun and the moon and everything in its perfect
1: place yeah but if you then accept that it's this like i was saying about the imperfection of the human mind and that this is a crappy machine yes to some extent this is like a the proverbial 1989 Toyota Corolla that you have to leave the headlights on to make the radio work. Right, right. Uh, Then I feel that, because if you have the God thing, there's this idea of perfection that you're aspiring towards. And there's also these guilty feelings of, well, I'm doing it wrong because I have this potential to be perfect and I'm not perfect. Whereas I feel if you accept that this is imperfect and everything is imperfect and we're just this imperfect mixture of, of chemicals that have developed yeah. on, a, on a wherever we are yeah uh then it's easier to come to terms with someone being a crappy jerk to you right or you feeling uh stupid when you're standing in front of a, a picture of a city right. telling jokes into a robot camera right. or feeling anxious God, in the morning so before that yeah i think that's it's fine then yeah, yeah. no you're right do, do your best i mean what um what annoys me now, what gets me pretty angry is I have, I, I I have a friend from when I was younger who have abandoned the that sense of camaraderie or fellow feeling or whatever it is and now it's just a, a race to make as much money as possible. Mm. Money or at least it's More to do with greed, and self interest. Now, some of that is, has happened, because they've had kids, so I've got to provide for this kid. But you know, I get quite angry about the financial uh, skullduggery and speculation that has effectively ruined, that has condemned my country to a generation of families having to move overseas. You know, my friends having to go off and say goodbye to parents and come, say, to Australia or to New Zealand. One of the nice things about doing here is, is mm-hmm. people who've moved here in the last two years and really, really miss home. Mm-hmm. And their parents are old people of my age. Parents are in their 70s. Parents are going to die soon. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you this is when you're supposed to be with your parents or mm-hmm. supposed to be helping them. And this is all being caused by these horrible... Find it has been caused by greed. You know, it's been mm-hmm. caused by the the subprime crisis in America, triggering a wave of that around the world, and people just trying to extract as much money as they possibly can from right. these grim circumstances. And even as the recession continues, people are still making tons of tons of cash. Yeah, it, where I come from, there's a situation now where you have uh, seventy or eighty people owe. Uh, I think it's ninety billion is in, with you know, that's the 90 billion that has effectively ruined the economy, yeah. was borrowed by these uh, few people who uh, in the last week, or in the last uh, week, one of them, a lot of them have moved to America now because you can get a quickie bankruptcy in America mm-hmm. where you, make, you, you move into a state and become, not necessarily a citizen, but uh, you, once you move into a state, you can get a six-month bankruptcy where this person owes the Irish state, through speculation, say, €700 million. Uh, Euro, and they declare themselves bankrupt in America after six months your slate is wiped clean and you go back and you start over again. And they're not living they're living in the one fa- there's one guy living somewhere in uh, outside Boston in a large mansion, just doing his time. Someone, it out. Yeah, someone who has caused this terrible hardship at home. And the 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 thought of that annoys me a lot. Yeah. I dislike uh yeah, I, I, does it I mean, but there's greed in the, I mean, in in comedy as well. I mean, sorry, that's a big jump to make, but there are people who are just sort of serving up a, a barely uh, warm, uh, vomity mixture mm-hmm. and doing it in arenas to huge numbers of people. Mm-hmm. You know, not.
2: Well, that's the Kitson thing. The Kitson, Daniel Kitson, going back to him charging ten pounds. Now he's doing well, or ten dollars. Yeah. Uh, but he's not doing theaters because he thinks it's a bad show. Yeah. He does smaller venues because it's about the show. That's that. That's that. Maintaining the art thing. And Jesus, or the writers of Jesus, got it right when they talked about you can't serve both God and money. When I hear you talking about spending time with your parents in their twilight years, uh, and and creating community all that stuff sounds like heaven on earth sort of thing and when we chase money we seem to get a little detached and lose some of that
1: yeah you, you I mean the beauty of so we're flying through topics here but the beauty of <laughs> this stand up yeah. is that it's like I have friends in bands and take a four piece band you have the the uh, person doing sound you've generally got a road manager mm-hmm. if you're very lucky the person who does sound will drive the van as well you've got backline line hire yeah. so the split on a hundred people paying ten dollars in right thousand dollars that's got to go six ways or it's got to yeah. go five and a half ways anyway. Right. So at most the band end up with you know uh hundred and fifty after tax right. two hundred dollars Now that's fine. But you want to be doing three gigs a week uh, in order to make your rent. Then yeah. The beauty of us as standups is that we've no backline hire right. We have no split going any other way right. If your manager is any good you should be able to get 80 20 split right so if you play to 100 people for ten dollars you should make eight hundred dollars a night right you can do three shows a week that's two and a half grand yeah average industrial wage is whatever forty eight thousand dollars is it it's i think it's thirty eight thousand euro where i come from Uh and so what's that you just need to be doing thirty forty shows a year yeah beyond that i be obviously you then want Fancy things in your life, right? But you get a lot of those fancy things, yeah. For not that you know, you're. It's possible in stand-up to make a very, very good living, right? You don't need. There's this, particularly doing stuff in America. I've been. I have the visa to do gigs in America, and I've done some things over there, and I really enjoy it. But what I don't enjoy about it is this idea that this isn't a legitimate end in itself. That this sh- sort of shambling show that you started behind your curtain and walked out and said I was just standing behind that curtain. Yeah. Now, excuse me while I plug in my three-foot plastic keyboard. Yeah. That's not a legitimate occupation because you should aspire to to, next r- to write this movie or to, well, or to make this TV show. Right. And I don't really aspire to do those things. As it happens, I've made some TV shows. I, I get to go on, uh, do, I do a show with Stephen Fry sometimes in the UK, you know, these are, are very lucky to do these things, but I am a stand-up and that is, right. that's all I, at, at this point in time, that's all I want to do. But the
2: tour, I think it always goes back to the touring, nobody wants to keep touring. It always breaks my heart when I'm with an older comedian uh, on, a, on a on an airplane, this is a, clearly a true story, I was on an airplane with an older guy <laughs> who had been doing it, you know, 25 years or whatever, and he was talking, asking about how I got my TV writing job and it was weird because we were both peering each other uh, over each other's fences because I was like, I just want to be a stand-up. I'm tired of this TV writing yeah. job. And he was like, oh, if I had a TV writing job, I wouldn't have to keep touring. And I, I just found that preposterous. It was very... It wasn't sickening, but it troubled me. It was a troubling right. thing. Right, yeah, yeah. Because, um, you know, in 10 years, will David already want... To- oh, sure,
1: I know that. But uh, at this point, it's all I want to do is do shows. Right. I did 200... I 200- one man shows last year. Wow. In the year. And uh I I want to keep doing that. And yeah, no, there won't be a time. I'd like to think of a time in the future when I'll have a kid and a a lady and yeah. uh maybe I won't want to do it then. But if I'm being completely honest at this point in my in my life, this is all I want to do. This is like you know, I I didn't go out last night after the show. I went home and i recorded the show and listened to it yeah. and had a piece of paper on, and I was writing down ideas and having arrows pointing at other things, and fell asleep. And then woke up this morning, and the the A3 pad is on the bed. Yeah. And then go back to it again. Yeah. And you know that's I'm I'm I absolutely realize how lucky I am. Yeah. Doing this, and yeah. that It is my obsession. I mean, how many people get to get to make a life out of their uh, obsession? I said that
2: on stage last night. I was screaming. You know that? I think I did it when you were there. I was talking about clicking on the wrong link and having it turn you on like some oh yeah yeah be grateful that it didn't turn on. so i'm screaming at the crowd i clicked the wrong link you know yeah as i'm miming an arm boner and then as i finished i said you know they give me a check they give me me a check for this and it was it was playful arrogance but it's also exactly what you're talking about we're in melbourne right now
1: yeah i know It's it's absurd i know yeah which is Another should be another calming thought for your anxiousness as well. Yes. Like this is an absolute dream. I didn't I didn't even even jazz musician father never had anything like this. You know? Unheard of. He was too busy playing upstairs in Dublin pubs to no one. Right. To to for his son to be off here on the seventeenth floor of a of a nice hotel. Right.
2: I think the bigger life gets, though, the more trips you have to Melbourne, the more sold out theaters and, and, and one man shows and all the sort of stuff that we do that society recognizes as exceptional because it is literally exceptional. It's an exceptional Yeah. Like the bigger things get, the more the need to small have things be small in your life, like sorry to keep making this point going on a walk or or having friends or having a good conversation those things become really really important because the more stuff we pour in the empty hole that is accolades and Ricky Gervais retweets and Pee Wee Herman retweets yeah. and uh, fancy travel and all that stuff, we realize that at the end of the day it really is someone saying you devil when you buy a coconut water.
1: Or, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's absolutely true. And also, uh, the, the I mean, this is sickening to anyone listening to this, us having this smug fucking conversation. Uh, uh, I know we're I, getting somewhere if people say that. <laughs> I, I apologize for that. But we... Uh, we it, it, this... How many people do you know who are lost in showbiz? I know so many. A lot. This it fucks with your mind. Yeah. You start to actually, you forget that you're just really, really lucky. Yes. Like obviously we have some sort of talent for us, right? But we've been given the space to develop that. Right. We are so.
2: But it, that's part of the laugh. That's part of the morning show laugh. Is, yeah. is the
1: absurdity? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's important
2: to maintain it because when you start, I think what you're saying, when you start to believe it, yeah, when you start to shine your shoes, and when you start to have smoke when you're coming out and all that sort of stuff, and, and as much as I'm the guy that goes, "I was good and the crowd was bad," I, I'd like to say that I'm also the guy that goes, "Like, I'm very lucky," and the, this is very absurd.
1: Yeah, the 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 best my the best thing I've written, God, in the last the best jo- the joke that I like the most it's just that joke of where I say to the audience uh, it, it, it's an acknowledgement of how ridiculous this job is I say if we were all stuck on a desert island together you could yes, do things yeah, yeah 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 you could and you go what can you do and I say well I can compose merry melodies on yeah. a children's novelty keyboard yeah and, you, and so the audience would say okay we'll set them on fire and we'll use the heat to make the coffee, yeah. to drink during the meeting. We'll discuss actual things yeah, yeah, yeah. that affect society in a real it way. Was, it
2: was in the, on The Simpsons where the meteorite is coming towards Springfield and they're all going to die and they're all in Ned Flanders' bunker and they're trying to make a case. For one person has to leave for who should leave. Yeah. And, <laughs> and Krusty makes the point that we'll need laughter. <laughs> but I've had that, that same point. I had a joke about how I'm useless and if I time traveled, I'd only frustrate people. I'd be like there, there's something called metal uh, it's in the earth somewhere I, I think you dig for it oh no it might be a volcano we need a volcano and then we can get metal and then the, the punchline is to just kill me with something wooden because, because I don't really have and in a war my only job would be to be the funny guy at the end of the day that would have little comments on how crazy that firefight was but I wouldn't be the guy carrying people out and saving lives because I'm, I'm just completely
1: worthless the 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 way that showbiz Melts your melts which is another reason why like there's people I know who appear in celebrity news magazines or even people who have a sort of faux modesty about their career you know there was there, there was a Vogue thing a few years ago of people going oh my god I can't like people turning up on chat shows pop stars and going I can't believe I'm here being interviewed by you right and it was a faux modesty because then you would know that they are horribly addicted to cocaine ah, and had oh, uh, told uh, the you know a friend of yours to fuck off because they right. they're annoying right, they're, right, you're, right. you're ugly and you're standing too close to me right, right, the right. classic example was um, my uh, father I mean can I can I mention name in this beat this out if it's, if it's potentially libelous um. So my 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 father w- was doing a gig a few years ago in a hotel. No, he yeah, he was doing a playing a, a set in a hotel, and they went to the bar afterwards. And staying in the bar was Richard Ashcroft, who was the lead singer of The Verve. Mm-hmm. He had been and then was a big star. Was doing a, a like a, a an open air thirty thousand gig the next day, and um, my uh, Richard Ashcroft ordered a drink. And the barman said, "Sorry, mate, you're, you've had too much to drink." He was hammered, mm-hmm. and he was high, I think. And uh, the barman said, "No, no, 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 not you." And Richard Ashcroft was like, "Fuck you, Paddy! Fuck you!" to the to the. And um, a guy with my dad was the the guy who'd been playing played a court. He was playing a courtier with my dad. He, he, he's um, he's dead now. A guy called uh, Dermot O'Brien said, "You, there's children here in this bar. You shut up." You stop you stop that. There's children drinking in the... Uh, no, it's the hotel bar. <laughs> I <Come> understand. <laughs> Keep it down! <laughs> so, um, and Richard Ashcroft, this is a 72-year-old 70, man, and Ashcroft, in his fury, went for him, and oh. immediately Minders appeared from nowhere and grabbed him and pulled him back with him swinging and pointing his finger at my dad's trio, and the line as he's being hauled into the lift was, you cunts know nothing about show business. Oh, As in, I have this horrible life, I have this stress, uh, Paddy won't give me drink here, fuck you. And this is my father, uh, Dermot and Tony, who between them have over 150 years of showbiz experience. Yeah, they know exactly what yeah, showbiz yeah, is yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. And then what was funny was, oh, God. Their, uh, the, one of their minders or PR people, came down in the lift about 20 minutes later and said to apologise to my father's trio and said, I'm terribly sorry. Richard's been under a lot of um, stress recently and he'd like you to have this. And there was a bag with, like, Richard Ashcroft T-shirts and CDs in it. <laughs> and- <laughs> signed and my father not signed that night my father pre-signed yeah (laughs) my father and his friends were like you're alright thank you take it and I hope he feels better soon but you know you mean they didn't take it no they didn't Uh, no no interest but there is the world of there's a world of my favourite ever tale of my father and I I've learned so much from this and this is a Powerful metaphor for this awful showbiz thing that we are. I feel not losing our minds about you may when you become a huge star, <laughs> uh, but please remember these wise words. My father is conducts orchestras sometimes, and he's very good at doing string arrangements. <laughs> yeah, and he was once asked to arrange a sort of a cheesy uh, Irish album by Irish. There's a generally. Uh, it was, it was what would be described as a Do The Yanks album, which do, it <laughs> means rip off the Americans. Okay. So you would have a Danny Boy, a syrupy version of Danny Boy. Yeah. Followed by Molly Malone. And my father crying. And your father crying. Yeah. Oh, and... and uh, my Wild Irish Rose. Laura Laura, lor yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all yeah, of yeah, those. Yeah, yeah. And so my father did these arrangements for it. And the uh, cheesy singer who was uh, scheduled to sing it... So as would happen, uh, he said dad, to my dad, before we do the, the, get the orchestra in yeah. a few days before, can you just play the arrangement as in where the strings are moving? Yeah. And um, so dad played this tasteful arrangement. <laughs> and the guy sort of gazes up into the distance and he goes, Yeah, Jim, we're dealing here with a commodity called shite. And when one is dealing with shite, one does not use a teaspoon. Oh my god. And my father, he is a shovel. And he's like, Yes you do. So Dad's like, okay. So Dad redid the arrangements from Jo Danny Boy to oh, Danny Boy. Oh. Your father <laughs> <laughs> Liquid
2: spurting from his eyes. My dad would love it.
1: So yeah, when you're dealing with shite, do not use a teaspoon, that's use great. a shovel. That's, that's become great. one of the horrific lessons that I have learned as to how some people see the yes. business of show. Yeah. That's possibly why I hate it so much.
2: My most terrifying one was we're just peanuts on the bar. I hate that. And look, I feel like every performer has a choice. You can I've never be, heard that. You can be peanuts on the bar. Or you can fucking light the artist blowtorch and tear some shit up, burn up some jungle. I'm not. I, it's like such a big thing when you talk about making a living as a standup. I believe that's a valid point and a good lesson. But it's like, how are you going to do it? It's yeah. It's it's a a fearful thing to me to think that you could shovel shit and figure out your big wacky closer. Yeah. And then like, or there's. And I mean this in a good way. There's you who's saying it's not even an act. You know what I mean? That's the opposite of peanuts on the bar. They don't sell drinks at your show. You know what I mean? That's a, that's a fucking bea- that's a thing of beauty. It might be the most beautiful thing I've thought of in a while. It's filling me with joy. There's no merch. There's no drinks. There's no waitress. You come a, a little bit lit on your own. And then, and then you're not. <laughs> there's no bar. There's no peanuts. It's a. It's a beautiful. It, it makes me all emotional. There's so many things I want to talk to you about. Um, oh, by the, I'd like to admit that um, my family, my my grand, my great grandmother's name was Sullivan. That's where we get our Irish. Yeah. But we boy, it's so much more. You know that means Sullivan.
1: Yeah, Sula one means one eye. Means somewhere along the line, one of them. Sula is an eye. A one means. But one. I can't, so, <laughs> I can't wait to ruin somewhere Christmas. I can't wait to ruin Christmas. Somewhere in your family history, someone stuck a knife in someone's eye. Yeah. Someone was like, You're going to America, <laughs> you fucking salad oh soup taking pricks. Oh, Remember Jesus. this in America. Oh stab God. eye no. My good eye.
2: I. Good eye, mate. Oh, Jesus. Oh, wow. Can you flash me down the toilet? Good David had already. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> We love being Irish. I'm so much more Lithuanian than I, I am Irish, but we don't have our nieces... Our nieces uh, will sing to Laura little girl children. Little girl children sing. Yeah. And everyone loves having a good cry at it.
1: Yeah, Teary. yeah.
2: It's fine. I'm sorry. Like, I'm not apologizing, but I am acknowledging that we are the problem. My yeah, family... but But,
1: I mean, the history of Lithuania is, I have no doubt, just as tumultuous... Oh, sure. And, in, in fact, more so. Yes. But you, all I know, yeah, that docu- the documentary about the bloody basketball yeah, team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's you know, where I
2: know, mo- where I learned most of my... <laughs> it's true. And, and that's yeah, a
1: recent movie. There's something about, you know, what is this thing that Ireland... No one's doing... There's no world Lithuanian dance competition. There's no right. river dance in Lithuania.
2: If Lithuania learned how to make um, scotch... And had rolling hills. When I picture Lithuania, I reach for the clay colors. The the grays and the tear-colored clouds. The Beverly Hills
1: 90210
2: colors. Ah, very different. It it would be Beverly Hills 90210 if you were colorblind. That's Lithuania. Here's the thing that I wanted to... My favorite part of the show, I brought this up a long time ago, was um, something that you said that makes you... You almost cried talking about it, Mm. which is old people doing anything. <laughs> and I found that so, so funny. And for me, it's old people eating alone. Kills me. Yeah. Kills me. Yeah. Where's their Gertrude? They, yeah. like they're alone now. It's true, yeah. And you were in what would be called a, a dollar store. Yeah. In the States.
1: And you saw the guy buying... He bought. It, he was buying a. He's. He was in his nineties, and he had the. Sh- he had a sh- shaky hands, no. and he was buying a picture frame with the two circles, the two oval circles no. cut out on it, and the dignity with which he was taking the, you know, the one euro ninety nine out of his pocket and going through the change and handing it over was just. It was. The, yeah, and the question being, who is he going to put in
0: the <laughs> <brain>? <laughs> Story! No.
1: And my conclusion was that it was the guy that he loved for fifty years, but yes. never been able to tell anyone because because there was no gayness in Ireland. <laughs> so the yeah, there is a sadness. It's it- so
2: funny the thing the things that'll that'll move you for no reason. That's what I like. I mean, there is a good reason. Yeah. But sometimes you just see something and it, it'll just kill
1: you. It's... it's Yeah, I think it is quite irrational because it's very unfair because, you know, he could still be a wonderful intellectual man. Sure. Maybe he was going home and he's going to put, like, Aristotle and Plato ah, in the <laughs> or
2: he Or he completely gets it. He's like, look at the absurdity of this. I'm doing this for you. It's performance art. <laughs> you yeah.
1: Know? The, the, um... I mean, my my... My grandfather was 92 when he died, and um, he was like absolutely with this wonderful guy to the end. Oh, wow. Got, very, um, got got that thing, which is quite common in the hospices, which is when you know you're going to die, you get quite angry. Mm. It's like, this isn't fair. Mm-hmm. I, he, he wrote a book. He wrote. Um, so his father had been this revolutionary, and so my grandfather in his late 80s finally got around to writing a book about what he remembered of the Revolutionary period in Ireland, 1916 to 1922, and it's rare that new history emerges about that mm-hmm. that period. Mm-hmm. And this is my grandfather remembering, you know, uh, just, like there were, so there was guns under the floorboards and all of that in their house, but the story that really, and... and is that s- a commonly known thing, guns under the floorboards? Yeah, well there would have been in the Revolutionary period right. because you were trying to, you were... It was all about planning this day in the future when the revolution right, right, would kick right, off. Right, right, right. So you need to have the everything spread out quite sure, well for sure. that. There was um you know, just tales like the the grandfather was my great grandfather used to cycle my grandfather to to school and on a uh, bike? Yeah, and one morning they came out the front door and uh two shots came from the on the roof of the... This is a tiny terrace street in suburban Dublin, near Croke Park, Jones's Road, and uh, two bullets came over and uh, missed them both and hit the door behind, behind Grandad. And Grandfather's thing, was pull Grandad down, back into the house on the bike, shut the door again. The Black and Tans, which is now commemorated as a jolly drink in your yes, country, yes. where a group of... That's uh, your country! ...irregular uh, <laughs> jobs yeah. from the British Army who were sent to sort out the revolutionaries in Ireland... And so, yeah, it's why uh, Nike launched a commemorative shoe for St. Patrick's Day, I think, last year called the Black and Tan Shoe which is a bet. It would be like naming a, you know, Russian shoe the... No, not even the KGB. What's a more clandestine, secret, right. bad memory of a country. It would be like, yeah, bringing out a uh, a fucking Dachau Memorial uh-huh. runner yeah. for uh, yeah. well, you were saying even
2: the the IRA gets uh, some of the like this romanticised. Uh, well, right? I
1: mean that was the whole problem with the particularly the last twenty years or the last thirty years since the since the seven. You know, you can many people could put forward a, a legitimate justification for the existence of the IRA in the in in the up to the seventies because you had. Catholic families were in, in. This is in Northern Ireland now. where in uh, working class Protestant areas. Catholic families were being burnt out. Mm-hmm. So the IRA emerged as a vigilante group to uh, to protect Catholic families. Mm-hmm. And th- but then you know seventy-one, seventy-two. there was civil rights. there was a there was a thing in northern ireland which was god this is just boring history now but <laughs> it's was, not at all i remember you saying this there, there was a civil rights movement because catholics weren't getting jobs they were getting much lower pay and then the uh but then the ira emerged uh just blowing shit up right in the 70s and 80s blowing up you know, M- uh, British Army Memorial Day services. There were there were several of those. We just had old geezers from the Second World War. Bang, uh, bomb under, and public opinion massively shifted. Right. Anyone who had any sort of sympathy in Ireland, you and then tales emerged of IRA involvement in drugs, in right. just regular gangsterism. You know, in any society, you've got a. Uh, a number of gangsters. It just so happened in Ireland they cloaked themselves in this righteous flag right. of nationalism and our struggle and for. What us. I
2: remember was you were talking about the American bars that have
1: the yeah. and so, so the 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 in the south where I grew up in in southern Ireland and in most of the north there was just this absolute embarrassment. No, this anger towards this especially this 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 organization that wears the flag of our country mm. that. Uh, appears with the balaclava and the flag over the shoulders, mm-hmm. someone just stealing your nationality and being this is us. Right. And this was the perception around the world. But to second generation Americans, even first generation uh, P- Irish people who'd moved to America, it became because there was once this legitimate, um, maybe because there was a legitimate reason to have it at some point, it, they. Kept pumping money back into right. Cause like, where was the money coming from? It certainly wasn't coming from the working class estates in Northern Ireland. It certainly wasn't coming from the south. It was. It was an awful lot of it was coming from. There was an organization called NORAID which was Northern Ireland Aid, mm-hmm. which was going to buy arms off Gaddafi and hmm. uh, and so the thing was sustained by this uh, the, this money coming from there. But then, you know, an interesting thing happened. There was a sort of a a birth in contemporary you know at exactly the time when the Catholic Church started to lose its grip on Irish society God I mean this is real bullshit sociology now but this is how I see it Ireland Ireland never did anything uh, internationally we had writers we had intellectuals but I'm talking about on a popular culture level <laughs> yeah. and then in 88 we qualified for the fucking European Championships in soccer and we beat England yeah. and that was the first time I ever remember in my life Irish flags being out on the street, Irish bunting. Yeah, yeah, And in the mid-90s, the support for the IRA drained and the IRA went into ceasefire mm-hmm. and suddenly people were willing to to recognise themselves as Irish, right. as, as be, to be proud of this heritage that doesn't just involve this bloodshed. Right. You know, we can be a modern... Uh,
2: Soccer-winning.
1: Soccer-winning country. Yeah. We've got all these new bands. We've yeah. got new... Yeah. There was this... Thing of Irishness that you are proud of, right? And uh, th- and that is what America has been a little slow to catch up. I mean, it's no criticism because who cares? It's just a <laughs> tiny, windy island in the yeah. top left hand part of Europe. Who <sighs> gives a windy fuck island. about any of it. Soggy, damp land. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, there is, you know, there is something. There is a there is still reason to to. To, even though our Ireland is on its fucking arsehole at the moment and it's really, really suffering, there is still something good about Ireland. There's an integrity yeah. to the place, and there's an integrity to the people. And you know, it's no longer just this ninety-three percent Catholic backwater. It's an actual country that right. people move to it, and it's a right, right. And, You know, you can you can eat Thomas.
2: <laughs> that's such a funny distinction. That's my that's my I'm in the middle of nowhere when I go into a grocery store and I'm touring yeah. and they don't have hummus. It's yeah. so funny that you said eat hummus. I go, we've got the internet now and we've got hummus. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about love a little bit. You you really inspired me when we talked about it briefly. I know you kind of don't want to go into too specific, which is fine. I just loved your philosophy about love. Whenever, whenever uh, I have comedians and performers and we're talking about falling asleep with your Notepad and listening to your act and stuff. Yeah, and enough. this exer- <laughs> I refuse. I'm getting listening to your uh, rambling nonsense. Professional talking. <laughs> okay, your professional talking, um, and being in Melbourne for two weeks, and and then after this going to some other place. I'm always interested in who is right for the temperament of the artist and who's right for the lifestyle of the artist. Yeah. And, I, and you... One thing... And this is what I want to lead you off with. You were talking about how people tend to settle or something. They find something that's okay. Yeah. And they kind of patch it up over time and, and stick with it, which is one thing. And then you inspired me very briefly. You were talking about the idea of being bowled over, finding somebody that really just knocks your dick off. Yeah. And, and, and not necessarily needing it to be a love at first sight thing, but being like, I think this is exceptional and I'm going to uh,
1: yeah fall into this well. I mean, it's a cure. there's a curious thing... I think I might start a lot of the answers to questions by going, it's a curious thing.
2: And I'll say, I think I've said this on the podcast before, or to quote myself,
1: that's uh, how I, I'll reply to you. The, the, what's interesting, there's no, I don't know anything. That is the first and most important point to make yeah. about everything in the world. We have that in common. Um, the, so I look at a country, my, my, there were 90 boys in my class in school, uh, all, all boys school and everyone's parents were together except one did your wet dreams sink up? <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> the teachers noticed some days
1: were calmer than others
2: everybody had a that's a ready
1: night. to go but the, <laughs> right. there were 90 boys one guy's parents weren't together and we used to have to say prayers for him that they might get back together and probably his parent his, maybe his dad used to beat the shit out of his mom. And there's the the 90 of us all praying that this great anomaly is corrected soon. So that's what I came from. That blind And and now it's the lowest marriage rate in the world. But what I will say about the old system of... Obviously, there were an awful lot of people who met in their early 20s. And you, for example, met someone. I went, all right, let's do this thing. And let's bloody well do our best. Yep. And some of them are very happy. You know, I remember, I recall not getting it at the time, but as an eight-year-old going to play in someone's house and the dad sitting out in the shed, reading the paper, smoking cigarettes, the mum scurrying around the house and just with it, you'd go for dinner and the dad wouldn't say anything to mum. Just this horrible, dysfunctional relationship. But because there was no divorce in Ireland until 1996, it wasn't possible for anything to happen. Nineteen ninety-six. They
2: 1996. would. Just, they, would they would
1: stay together. Yeah. Still no abortion in Ireland now. I mean, this is. This is. We're coming out of the grip of a, a very conservative past. Oh wow. Yeah. That. The. 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 My favorite thing about the divorce referendum in ninety-six, because I was in university at the time, is that I was campaigning in favor of divorce with my friends. We were. We wore T-shirts with "Vote Yes" written on them. Really, and we would walk around the city. Did they eggs.
2: say "Vote Yes" on "No"? Because, like, when you end the marriage, you're like, "Nope." <laughs> <laughs> vote Yes on No. Uh,
1: that's wild. So, and did you know the No campaign slogan was hello, divorce, goodbye, Daddy." That was on lampposts around the city. I know this is goodbye, look, daddy. Yeah, I've come from this. Yeah, this is what I've come from. <laughs> Hello, and, divorce. <laughs> goodbye, daddy. It's actually it sounds like a country western song. It does. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we uh, we would hand out our leaflets. And we never met anyone Because I went to Trinity Which is the old university in the centre of Dublin Hmm. Never met anyone who wasn't going to You know, we obviously would go to outlying areas Handing out our leaflets, vote yes And people wouldn't take the leaflets Because like, yes, of course, vote yes We're a modern European country It's 1996 Divorce got in uh, 52-48% Fifty, and that's the divorce rate. So, <laughs> <laughs> so what that taught me is there is a world out there 52. of people who absolutely disagree with everything you think. Wow, is a. Did
2: a lot of people get divorced right away when it passed?
1: Um, I think uh, I'm 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 not sure about that. I know now it's just the normal divorce rate. There wasn't this huge surge, right? Of right, but the point I'm making is from this contrived scenario of people i'm sure an awful lot of my friend's parents never had sex with anyone else before yeah. they met this person right. and let's uh let's get married and they've made a good go of it right you know they are they're they're now in their maybe they're in their 70s now and i know an awful lot of people whose parents are great and they get on right so who is to say what the Correct thing Weren is.
2: Weren't we talking about that? Which is better is the, is the, what I gave a go, my own mini island, yeah. which was getting married at 22, or philandering. Yeah. Weren't we talking about that? Whether or not that gets out of your system, or whether or not that well, just fosters never wanting to sell I, it? I mean,
1: the, so, so the the thing that was never put in front of that generation was stick or twist. Was mm. stick. Do you know, do you know that card game yeah. where you either. What's it, like where you re- request? I think it's like 21s. Is it 21s? Blackjack. Yeah, where you're, you either call for another card yes. and you're bust or you stay. just stay on this. Yeah. And that is the one of those. The twist would be getting a hit. The the, question, the the twist is like try for another lady. Maybe we can't do any better than Trade this. Straight up. Yeah. I mean, and. It's such a it, haunting. Yeah, no, no, no. It's horrendous. Yeah. And that seems to be this this nagging doubt that people a lot of people in their 30s i'm not just talking about in ireland now have right have been in this relationship for a while right and especially the tormented ones that i know are like is this the correct thing i mean that's just for me not good enough none of that you only get one go at this yeah really you only get one go at a life so you yeah. just don't want to make balls out of it yeah. That strikes me as the... That's the baseline. I mean, that's the most obvious thing I've ever said. But No, I don't think it, it's that but obvious. But the only way to have a chance of making this thing work and meeting the right lady is, I feel, to conquer the horn. Now, the horn I'm is I'm so is, glad it came up. It's this abstract... Idea, but by it I don't just mean boners, but I mean if it had a, the horn had a corporate logo, it would be a man's boner. But it is just. Like a Pompeii boner. Those Yeah. <laughs> it's just as legitimate it's whatever you want to call the lady version of it, the wide on. You know,
2: whatever it is. I've never heard uh, that. Wide on?
1: A wide on. I get it. Okay. It's a free show. People just learn wide on for free. So you have to try. And make peace with the horn, you know. And the horn, all I can speak of is the my experience of the horn, like the horn's out of control. The horn for, is a real crazy bastard. For most of your teens, you are strapped to a train, yes, with Ladytown as the destination. That never gets there. You know what I mean? Yeah. You are. It is. And that train just keeps going through tunnels. <laughs> <laughs> Hong Kong. <laughs> uh, that's honking boobs.
2: <laughs>
1: the the. So how are you? You but you don't have a fucking chance. If you you've got to in the world that we live in, you've got no. You don't got to because I I. The, this is all my subjective experience here. I have a Mormon friend who's per- seemed perfectly happy in a life where she's met the fella and now they're about to have a baby. Brilliant, mm-hmm. okay? But from, from where I'm coming from, I've had to try to tame this this beast. No, beast is too strong. No, I understand. Because that is, yeah. It's beastly. It, this beastly uh, abstract entity called the horn. You know, there's no point in 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 trying to do a deal with it. yeah you've got there's no point in going, okay, horn, we will now stick a to this no, you've got to champion it. you've got to what does that mean? What does that look like championing the horn you've got to does that mean indulging it no uh, yeah I mean I think it uh theres there's it, there's identifying the enjoyment of and the curiosity that you might have for uh placing it into in my uh case different people yes and uh and then, but reaching a point where the 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 saddest comedians for me are those ones who the the act the excitement is all in the act of placing it into more locations Ugh. location location location, <laughs> as opposed to the even the act itself I think the i think it's more just about the excitement of the chase yeah. you but i think if you think about it enough you you can realize that that is that's a silly that's way silly. to spend yeah. yeah you you there's something better than that out there
2: well that that's one of my feelings all the time is if i do have uh casual sex or something i often will wake up and feel a little bit sometimes it's wonderful don't get me wrong yeah. and you're like that was wonderful and then other times you just it it can remind you that there is something better that you're that you're not getting i
1: think that's a good way to be i mean the the what's not what's not good is if people who are coming from again sorry to go on about the catholic tradition which is just this is all wrong everything if you're feeling good that's double wrong about this that is not a a good way to to be about it either there are times when it's thrilling and it's and it's wonderful. Well, that's
2: the. I feel like you're full of shit either way. That's something that always comes up on the show: is the idea that if you are just a swinging dick who keeps location, location, locationing, yeah. and you are the envy of your married friend, and and I am the envy of some of my married friends. Sure, yeah. they love uh, just hearing about some weird sex story. Yeah, and it's so fun for them, and the vicariousness of that. And then, but then the fuck guy is looking at married guy and going like. Uh, they're always there, you know, in the good way. Not in the, I can't get rid of my wife, I have to sure. smoke in the shed. But you're yeah, missing yeah. the deep roots of a true relationship. You're, and you're missing that real connection with another person.
1: Yeah, but I don't see... I mean, again, this is just from my point of view. I don't see how I, you can appreciate that this is a, a thing, good thing to aspire to, this relationship, if you haven't uh, probably fucked it up in the past... I yep. fucked up a brilliant thing in the past. If you haven't also ha- had very dark times when you're with someone and it's terrible, yes, and you wish that this wasn't happening, and also had wonderful times, yeah, you know, you have to. I'm not. I don't think you ever, can ever sate the horn because the the horn. You just end up becoming the dreadful sleazy fifty year old if right. you just if you're waiting for the moment where the horn goes. That's me done. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. instead you just gotta gotta. Try and conquer it with experience with, with experience and with intellect as well. Right. Whereby this is actually, this is what we want now. Right. And I've no doubt then when you settle on that thing, the horn does go, oh yeah, what about more of that then? But hopefully you can think back from your experience of bad times and how you felt. Right. Then, and remember the good times. Instead
2: of what I used to do when I was married, because I married the first broad that I ever slept yeah. with. I used to hypothesize what it would be like to cheat and and the emptiness of hurting or ruining something. But now I kind of, I do know I've been cheated on and I've also been in relationships where I'm like, oh, this is dead and decaying and we're just a tree that's all bugs on the inside. So I know that now. I know how to diagnose those things. and I know how to, those are my machines to rage against. Whereas before when I didn't have experience, I feel like you're saying all of those experiences, bad, good, different, horny, indulgent or whatever. Yeah might provide the, the foundation for
1: something. like I think so. I think I think particularly, you know, if you're raised with, with that, the, the morality that we were both raised with is that the dark stuff is bad and you sh- it shouldn't have happened to you. But in fact, that's part of who you are. Right. One of the most inspirational people I know is... Um, Tony Robbins. ...is a, uh, a, a heroin addict, a guy who was through... It's, he's a jazz musician. Mm-hmm. Brad Meldow mm-hmm. is one of the great jazz musicians of today. Who had this twenties where you know he was out of control for a lot of it, but not no sorry not out of control, but was was strung out and, and mm-hmm. but what's what's what I find really inspiring about it was that he doesn't he talks about it quite openly and about yes yeah, just part of it it it, it was right. it was fun there were brilliant bits right. and there were incredibly dark bits and on balance. It's not worth it. And now he's moved on. He has a right. wonderful family and, a, and he's making this beautiful music. And that is... this. I think it's a similar thing with the horn then as well where <laughs> you, you, you have to yes. uh, look at the, the, the two ends of the joy spectrum, the deep despair and the darkness that right. only the horn can get you into and then the absolute... <laughs> Wonderful, right? Uh, sublime joy, right? of Of the horn as well, and right. then there's the love thing, you know. And so, obviously, the cliche: it would be great to be uh, for the horn to somehow wind itself into this relationship thing, right? A DNA strand, yeah. But I'm not talking about, you know, it's going to be the greatest bangs ever. You know that that this is just part of. Of of this higher thing Of this better thing Right And what, what What makes me sad Is people who In their 30s Just go This thing seems okay Yes Let's Let's Stay Yeah Let's stick on this Yeah And uh, That Now people would say You're very lucky Because you travel around the world and you get to meet a lot of people right? Uh, but I don't really get to meet a lot of people you know I, I meet people after shows and right. they uh... arguably more people want to see your horn I know I'm using that raw. yeah <laughs> but that has never really interested me there's something very weird about um, people who've seen you on stage yeah. and then that being the start of a relationship because that uh, that's a that's you saying lots of funny things uh, close to each other it's not an act. Yeah. But uh, it is a, it is it's a, a form of professional yeah. it's a professional talking presentation <laughs> involving the best ideas you've had. Over and months
2: it, presented in one hour. Yes, yes, and it
1: just seems like a and once the pendulum swings that way i think it's very hard to get it back to uh well you want somebody that
2: that, that knows the the full you the real you not the show business yeah
1: and not someone who has to unlearn the show business you so you you like
2: creative people though i mean you tend to is that true you've dated other artists and stuff
1: yeah i don't, i mean I, I i i don't know i i think there's a a lot of shit is spoken about artists and i think uh you know, my mother is probably the most creative person I know, and she uh, she, she worked as a secretary, and then, because Dad was off doing his gigs, brought up my brother, my sister, and I. Yeah.
2: So, uh, I, so I she mean, wasn't a professional artist, but she was wonderfully... That's actually a funny distinction. We used to say on this show, the idea of comedians being this other species. Yeah. And then I got a lot of shit, an inappropriate amount of shit, for calling other people civilians. I know that sounds crazy. Yeah, yeah, I know, basically. Yeah. But then what we realized was that, like, all the muggles have their magic, too. Absolutely. They're just not going around wearing the goddamn Crescent Moon star
1: hat. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> they don't have the need to do that
1: yeah, all I the think, time. I think that is quite an
2: offensive it is. thing to but say. Then that, but what you're saying is your mother being an artist. And yeah. That, what, what we say is... It's, it's a certain level of introspection and, and creative instinct that makes people um you know for lack of a better term these people are like weirdos they're just a little bit
1: uh interesting in
2: that way
1: yeah there's an there's a Vonnegut in I think it's slapstick talks about uh how uh, everyone should have to work in an office one day a week because then we'd realize how lucky we interesting, are yes and it would stop people being so lost in showbiz that they you know Charlie Brooker is uh, one of the great minds of British comedy, and he has a very interesting sketch uh, on uh, how television ruins your mind. And this is, but this is also showbiz, where on uh, day one you start the TV gig, and the runner comes over and goes, "John, can I get you a, a coffee?" And goes, "No, no, no. The machine's just there. I can press the button, right? I can pour it. That's that's fine." And she's like, "Okay, well, do you want that?" Chair, get you and one we'll, of we'll, the chairs sitting there, and then it's fast forward to three weeks later, where he takes a sip of the coffee, th- fires it in her face, and kicks the chair over. Oh god! Um, and that is the the risk of becoming too immersed in um, in in all of this. I, yeah, I, I I think yeah.
2: Yeah, I, I'm happy to hear you say that. I often try and get our bigger guests to admit that they're slowly becoming monsters, but they they seldom do, or they're not. Yeah, they generally are. Well, but the thing I always try and open it up, which is the gimmick of this show, is I admit my own horror and then try and see if there's is reflecting mine or whatever. Because I have landed at festivals and my ride isn't there. Sure. And And look, I don't do anything public. Yeah. I don't do anything, you know, that anyone could see. But it still troubles me that I'm like, this is bullshit. When I remember three years ago... Pete would drive himself.
1: Pete yeah, would, Pete or we get the airport bus to the to the yes. hotel and the yes. gig then. Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, yeah. I, I maybe slowly we are becoming uh well, it's like you
2: said, when, when I'm a hideous monster and successful, like it'll be fun to see what a, what a jerk I am. <laughs> I know you were kidding. But let, let's bring it back to love. So you have your mother, so you don't necessarily need... You've learned this wonderful lesson that you shared with us, which is the idea that you don't need somebody to
1: have the you, artist bad. I know, you just need to go to Berlin. God, I have so many friends who live in Berlin. Why? And in Berlin, at this moment in time, everyone is an artist. Yeah. Everyone is yeah I'm working on a, a thing at the moment where I get uh Mcdonald's apple pie um those big cardboard packets and I'm going to build a tar- tower that's six miles high out of the you know, and
2: <laughs> uh, just
1: wearing this artist yeah like it means something in itself right you know i it, it's I'm not even talking about what's your artistic output although I do like that quote and this is something that is uh I feel about my career which is Martin Amos was once asked what's the most important page in a book is it the first page or the last page and he said the page that says that begins also by this author you're trying to build up a body of work oh,
2: you know that's the, that's a retelling of my favorite and I've said this on the show a rabbinical teaching which is the idea of two men on a ladder one's on the first rung one's on the 15th rung who's better and the rabbi says whoever's still moving forward right so yeah. it's, it's the same lesson like it's only about getting to the next
1: thing yeah I think I think, I, lovely. I, I think so the um the, the yeah I don't think so. the artist thing really gives me a pain in the arse sure. because what? like is some 18 year old who fluked being in a band and is a millionaire at the age of 23 more of an artist than your mother the, yeah, yeah or or yeah well, I, let me put
2: it this way how important is it that your uh girlfriend or your future wife um share your sense of humor or would you rather have it be contrasting or are you looking for the person that you just laugh yourself to tears at the same things i was very challenged when john Hamm, who just did the show told me that his his girlfriend of 15 years doesn't have his sense of humor and i was and it challenged me at the idea that i've just been looking for lady pete so yeah which isn't very interesting of me
1: yeah there's a song in my uh show at the moment which is Ostensibly, I'm just looking for a girl. I'm just yes. a special lady to come along. And then as the verses go, the criteria become more and more specific. Right. It becomes, she has to play badminton, she has to have a Mac. Right. She can't like scented candles. Right. And like these are become more and more shouted as yes, the song goes yes. on. So by the end of it, you've effectively... Because um, uh, it's not possible that this lady exists. So, which is why I think it's bullshit. It's why... You know, you look at computer dating and people have these rules. Yes, I think that's all bollocks. Yes, you know, I think someone just comes along and like, like blows your mind. It's all cliché, all of that stuff. But someone just grasps right. your attention, right, and doesn't let you go said of us. That
2: this, I'm so glad, and you put it so well. That's what you said that blew my dick off. Was we were talking about those lists. Yeah, that we have. Yeah, Where I I I've fallen in love with people that sit next to me on planes all the time. Yeah, and then they take out an Us Weekly, which would be your Hello Man. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and then I <laughs> I say condescendingly, uh, but then I go, oh, I can't be some. I, I could never even flirt or talk to someone who would be so shallow. Yeah, and then and then who said it to me? I was talking about how oh, it was Aziz. I was talking about how I want someone who's into yoga or something, but not too into yoga. Yeah, and then he said. Do you think any girl sitting around going, like, I want a guy who's obsessed with comedy? <laughs> yeah. Like, th- those are absurd limitations.
1: Yeah. And it's I, crazy town. And the moment you put, uh, I just feel the moment you put any sort of pressure on what the thing, I, 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 I don't know, it just, I don't know how you're supposed to meet this person but I do feel that the person is there. And I, I i don't think the answer is to put yourself about and to stand in a bar with a tie on and <laughs> and, and, and tell ladies that a lot of people have that dress, but you wear it better than oh, them. Or whatever bullshit they're yes. in. You know, all yes, that stuff.
2: Yes, the negative thing. Yeah,
1: that, I mean, I just think that's all bollocks. But but you certainly have to get out of your uh, weepy, anxious bed Yes and I want to stroll with your friend David O'Darty and I I yeah and then talk about it. and I just I I, I don't it, it's it's irrational but I feel that 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 the thing will happen the thing will That's some juice that's will, some real Will will come along I mean and I and I I hate the idea of fate I and mean, I think that's bullshit I just think it's you know it's a uh, it's that um you, and you have to have failed relationships to try and figure out what the thing you're looking right, for right. is. You uh, have to tell people that you're looking for a thing. You, you, I don't know. I just.
2: You I, mean you have to be honest? Well,
1: yeah. I mean, yeah. What, I, I is that to, what you yeah. mean by tell people what you're looking for? No, I think no. I think you have to to say, I've. You know, there's been times where you know, I'm definitely. I'm definitely of an age where this is I, I would like to to settle down. Not settle down. I, I understand. But I would like to Stop twisting. Have this other thing. Yeah, yeah. To have this Stop twisting sounds really dark. I know. It sounds twisting in the wind kind of um, ah, vague. Oh um but there's you're a right. strong metaphor there, yeah. The um the that was very Irish, yeah. That was very
2: Irish. I actually pictured it in a wet bank place. The twisting. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the uh, the the I would like this thing to come along, and I'm very open to the potential of it coming along. Yeah, and uh, I I yeah, who knows? Who I knows feel that
2: though. That's what's inspiring to me is I've been guilty of being like I want a non-smoking. Uh, I want someone who drinks, but not more than me. Yeah, uh, even even down to like. They need to inspire me. It's all these, like, absurd... They need to be my muse. They need to think I'm funny. I need to think they're funny. I want them to have these types of hair. Or, oh, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And I love your story. It, again, to bring up your good, per, close personal friend, Glenn Hansard, cool. <laughs> uh, He's not
1: a close personal friend. I do. I hope, but you do know I, him, I, him. I do. Which know. is cool. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs>
2: I mean, he he fell in love. I know we were kind of joking around the other day about him and Marquetta falling in love, but that's an absurd situation. Nobody goes, "I'm going to fall
1: in love with a, a
2: Czech girl who's much younger than me." Yeah, but like you start playing music, and and I, I like I like stories like that.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I uh, but but there again, the the by that by that criterion, you, you could say, "Oh, well, then there's going to be a lady comedian, and we're on the same bill." I just right. feel anything... I just I, I just feel all those kind of romantic tales aren't that helpful because something's just gonna you hope come along and will it, it's not gonna make any logical sense anyway yeah oh god I think if we were drinking I would go to coming along <laughs> we trying,
2: let's do the speed round god you're, you've been everything <laughs> you've been everything
1: <laughs> yeah but I haven't answered any of the questions you've tried to push me toward what do you
2: mean which one did you feel you ducked
1: the that, the, the, the loved one yeah a tiny bit well, I didn't want you to
2: have to get specific. If, yeah. we, if we were really talking like chums, I would make you
1: tell that crying in the Starbucks story, which I just thought was yeah. amazing. No, 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 we won't tell that one. But I've met...
2: I've met... <laughs> now that's all people are going to say. Uh, I... <laughs> that's all they're going to want. There's no... I shouldn't have said that. But yes.
1: I've met someone recently who's, who's, uh, who's brilliant. Yeah. Yes. Who I think is absolutely brilliant. Okay. So, uh, we'll, we'll, How'd she come about? We'll how'd she sweep um, through puns, puns, yeah, through making shit puns. Oh, you told me that. So I'm, I'm the, I'm, I'm you know, which seems a reasonable other. basis uh, for anything. And I am um, as good um, as anything. Yeah. yeah, I wouldn't jinx it by talking about it, uh, uh, and. Anything I say would be quite uncomfortable on my part. Sure, but uh, yeah, I'm I am um, I have a spring in my step at the moment. I fucking fuck you,
2: man. I'm so <laughs> happy. You, I'm I'm rooting for you so hard and have complete faith. You know what rooting means. Australia. yeah. Say, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, every time I fuck somebody, I'm doing it for you. Yeah. I want you to know that I'm rooting for you, David O'Doherty. Um, here's the speed round. It's awfully fun. Yeah. Oh, tell your you want to tell your wank story. I love you. I have you have Oh my theory. god!
1: Is this the speed rant? Tell yeah, your wank I, story. Well, I
2: have a doubt. Da- you should let listen. I'm going to tell you everything. You have huge hands and small legs. Potato famine is actually on the board. Um, so, uh, so what do I have to t- talk about? No, no, no. I'm going to show you the things we're skipping.
1: It is my belief that the every boy has one incredible wanking story. Right. Because of the faffing involved in the male wanking act as opposed to the lady wanking act, which is a much more covert
2: yes no cleanup
1: yeah i'd no, be doing it not even there. no cleanup no uh, apparatus to oh, to yeah. take out yeah
2: oh you're right it's all internal
1: yeah so it's just well, like if anyone was to go what were you doing you'd no one would say what were you doing you're right. just right yeah you unless you're that. totally sussed i think uh, and particularly the or using an apparatus the pe- yeah okay okay fine yeah 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 but um the period where the horn is out of control yes uh, is the period where uh, most boys have a classic right from that era and uh, <laughs> mine certainly involves I mean I could I could set the scene here for hours but uh, my granny lived on an island up the west coast and very windswept, what you would think of. I mean, there's two sort of Irish landscapes. There's the trees and the greenery, and then there's the sort of brown and beige windswept Atlantic haggard coastline, the, <laughs> you know, the 300-meter cliffs, the, the fishermen missing teeth, you know, there's that. <laughs> like
0: and, a Tim Burton
1: movie. Yeah, on on, on the island. Uh, shark fishing was the was the big industry, oh my God. and that's gone into decline because uh, they overfished, and then and they found synthetics to make the the stuff that the shark oil was used for. So it's kind of now there's uh' there's farming will be big on it, and uh, most of the islands was called Commonage, which is where you. Uh, can Just graze your sheep. You put markings on your sheep, and you. I know eat what eat, common eat eat I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> the the and on the on this island there's um a golf course has been laid out. There's a nine hole, which is just basically there's rocks for where you would have the tees, and then there's a flag for the hole, and. Uh, and it's then no it, wonder there's a wanging story, all the holes and flags <laughs> being put into them but I, like and I, removed by men. I need to get across how non sexy this is. There's sideways rain battering <laughs> the island. There's no trees on Ackle because the wind is too harsh. (laughs) When the storm comes, it picks up the boats and fires them onto the golf course. Like, this is... The least erotic place. Yeah, this is just bleak. There's black clouds. My dad always says, if you painted that, no one would believe you. And that's... It's just this harsh, harsh place where, (laughs) as a city kid, I'd I'd go down with my kite... You know, from Dublin, and the wind would just go, "I don't fucking think so," and would just stamp my kite into dust but when I'd go down there, I used to play golf on my you know if there was no one else around, I'd just hit the ball around, yeah, and there's like the wind has hammered out these like what golf is based on this kind of landscape in Scotland, and bunkers weren't a hole that was a trap for a ball, it was where the wind just would find a, a weak bit of sandy earth and would just plow it until yeah. there was a hole a, naturally occurring. a hole in yes. the ground yes. and so I hit my ball into a bunker <laughs> and I, uh, while I was in there I needed to do a wee
2: little David O'Doherty
1: yeah the 13 year old Lord David with, <laughs> with his uh, yeah and uh, one thing led to another with the wee And the three wood emerges. (laughs) (laughs) If actually we're in golf terms, you'd never hit a three wood out of these. You'd hit what's called a recovery wood, which I feel is a much better name for it.
2: You took out your recovery wood. It's
1: a seven. It's a seven wood, and it's it's shorter, and it's got a it's got more of a slant, and the um the so next of all, I just find myself. Like hammering away.
2: See, that's the time when just touching the dick and realizing you could.
1: Yeah, that's all you needed. But, I mean, this is, there's like the wind is hammering across, there's whistling, there's a drizzle, Mm. and uh, there's the distant bang of the sheep on the commonage. And, yeah, there I go. And uh, we we reach we reach the destination uh, in the bunker. Just standing, right? Kneeling, I think. Kneeling. Yeah, which brings a sort of religious aspect yeah. to it as well.
2: In the sand on Hell Island, uh, yeah,
1: yeah, kneeling in a hole on a Hell Island, and when the uh, the, the miraculous firework of human joy <laughs> brings forth its mind drug I throw my head back and look up so we're in a 10 foot deep hole on hell island and all around the top of the bunker are just sheep <laughs> Just sheep looking in.
2: Has there ever been uh, the, a more Irish story? You look up and
1: there's just a flock of this, wayward sheep. Yeah, uh, because sheep are oh, that sort of expressionless uh, look. It's a mixture of just shock, surprise, resignation, and wisdom. Uh, and so just, like, what's that? And so it is. Uh-huh, just, all of the uh-huh. sheep. The same, and so it is. This is and so our masters, one of whom will one day put a metal bolt through our minds oh, God. to then sell us for a lamb or maybe just shave us down every summer to make into woolly jumpers. Yes. Is down there and he we know what he's doing.
2: He's in charge. Yeah, well <laughs> look at this. Look at the catching your sea it's like catching God jerking <laughs> up. <laughs> <laughs> they walked
1: in on their lord. Oh my goodness. That's what it is. I think that is what I'm trying... Yeah, I think that... I think you've actually got it. And But then also with me was the fear that this having happened... You know the uh, don't pull a funny face thing? So was that... Were you ever told that when you were little? Because the wind could change and you'll be stuck with that face. Oh, we, we just...
2: Watched. It got reduced to it'll stick that way. Yeah. and We took out the
1: wind part. So the, the fear... Then is that it was a genuine fear. What if this somehow changed the sexy? Imprint on my mind, yeah, and this is now a necessary condition, right? That, well, that's what my bit is like. Now you need to come with sheep around. Is that what you mean? <laughs> yeah. I can't come unless there's
2: fifteen sheep looking. They can't be looking at me. They have to be looking down on <laughs> me. So, like, yeah.
1: So then you imagine her you'd have it painted onto the roof of your bedroom or whatever, and the lady would be like, "Why?"
0: why do you uh-huh. no nothing nothing, nothing. Uh-huh. but you have
1: like a tattoo of it on your wrist that oh, you turn when yeah. you're ready to finish oh but lord thankfully that wasn't the case but that yeah. is yeah I mean that may have been that's my one yeah it has been superseded by the it's, it's, it's in the show at the moment sorry to talk about the show again but no, it's all I love like, this I think about is yeah there's a song in the show about my friend who had a wank on his bike and yes. well, he was cycling down uh, yes. Newtown Park Avenue in Dublin when we were 19, which is a long, straight... At 5 in the morning, 4 in the morning. Yeah, 5 in the morning, just with the with the dawn breaking. <laughs> and he felt this... I don't know how much of this I have imagined... I mean, all the facts of the case are just, he had a wank on his bike, yeah. cycling down Newtown Park Avenue. But <laughs> I have reimagined this. Or like, it's kind so of, impressive! Like... I, the Iliad, you know yes. like this Homer esque, yes. you know, triumphal moment of this is the city. Yeah, I am a resident of the city. Yes. me and the city we meet in this moment. There's yes, someone just being so at one with themselves and the environment. Yes, that they, um, yeah, they they crank it out right <laughs> there on the. Yeah. Well,
2: there is something very carpe diem about it.
1: Yeah, and yeah, there, there really is.
2: He he embraced the moment. He he realized what Don Draper realizes on Mad Men whenever he has a crisis is that crisis. See, you bleed into me, don't you? Is <laughs> the idea that this is all there is, and he goes like, I could, my heart could explode, like Homer said. Yeah, I'm going to jerk off.
1: Yeah. First. Oh well, I think that's too bleak. But but rather, I think he just realizes that that. I could do anything I could do I anything. could do anything yeah. i I get up every morning I go into work I go f- get one of these three sandwiches for lunch yeah, I come home yeah, I do whatever I do in the evening, but I could do anything yes. I could yes, and it's nice to be reminded of that once maybe it's an inspirational friend of yours who who has made these decisions or right. um or even just it's that's why it's that tale and it's a tale that I keep coming back to in yeah. my life it's when inspiring I, yeah I, I absolutely find it especially when I'm feeling dark Boney throbins. Tony Robbins oh yeah yeah yeah
2: Boney Throbbins yeah
1: Tony- <laughs> <laughs> you do get it you were uh, saying you get inspired yeah it, it, it's um it, it's just... It's one of those thoughts that I keep coming back to. Yes. Maybe there's some lyrics of some songs that I think of when I'm down. And this is just one of the fundamental, human, triumphant yes. thoughts. Yes. I think of when I'm down, I think of a time when I was about eight. I was on a water slide once. We went on a holiday to Portugal. And I just... It was like the middle of the summer holidays. Not I didn't like school very much. Not back to school for six weeks. Yeah. I'm just... King of every blooming thing yeah, in the world. Yeah. I, I, I for this moment, I just remember thinking, yes, yeah, I, I pure, pure joy, yeah, in that moment. Yeah, and similarly, I think of the guy on the bike, pure mastery yes. of the. Inv- there's them where I um where I lived for a long time in Dublin was beside the canal, and there's a Patrick Cabinet is Wow, he's a poet, which is so interesting. He's, he's Maybe Ireland's greatest ever poet, and he has a uh, poem about wanking uh, into a field in Monaghan, where he's from. Uh-huh. And uh, but he also has a poem about sitting by the canal uh, one night and just people walking by, and just for a moment feeling at one oneness with the environment and being feeling like the king of the world just yeah. for a second. Yeah. And that's that. That I get the exact same thing from. Uh, him having the wank on the bike so. yeah isn't that funny where, where
2: weird inspiration is lying I want to read that poem I want to read a poem about a guy jerking off in a
1: field <laughs> do you know what it's called uh, I think it's called Stony Grey Soil St- Stony Grey Soil of M- Monaghan the, what is it the, the life from my love you thieved and gave me your clod conceived it's something like that <laughs> it's proper it's absolutely proper it's funny because I grew um the road that I lived on, I lived in a bedsit for a long time on a very posh road in Dublin. There was this, the poshest man in Ireland, he's not, uh, well, I guess he is from Ireland, but he's now a <laughs> tax exile. Uh, oh, God, I'm getting furious now. He has a house on this road. Uh-huh. He's Ireland's richest man, uh-huh. although he is technically of Malta, I believe, with his tax status. Uh-huh. And he lived in number six and... My brother and I lived in number five, which was, you could just tell the look of it. You know when you're walking through New York and you're like, nice brownstone, posh, Cosby House, Cosby House, Shit hole." Yeah, you know, like yeah, slightly yeah, yeah. sideways yeah, yeah. and our houses like that. For a while, the cores lived next door in this house, the band. Uh-huh. They had it as their sort of Dublin residence. Uh-huh. And then our house was just a um, crazy mixture of sculptor, uh, barely functioning alcoholic, uh, writer at one point there were four clowns living in my house as in a guy who was a professional children's party clown a guy who'd studied physical theatre at École Jacques Lecoq me a professional clown of sorts yeah. and my brother who's a writer and used to stand up as an actor a clown also it's that um, House of Clowns yeah it was it was the absolute uh, House of Clowns but this was on Raglan Road uh-huh. and Kavner <laughs> po- this poet ha- lived on Raglan Road in the 50s And wrote a beautiful uh, poem that then became a song that Sinead O'Connor and Van Morrison have sung. And because you would, every time you got in a taxi and said Raglan Road, the taxi man would sing Raglan Road to you, you become very intimate with the words of it. And it seems to... Wait, the, every time the cab driver would sing the song? Ah, it's a famous song. As in it's, a fam- like, it's a big ballad tradition of people, after a few drinks, get up and sing a song. And Raglan Road would be one of those classic right. songs. That happens in Swellsies, and they have drinks and they sing songs. Yeah, I mean, that's a genuine help. thing. Yep. In. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it would ha- surely it would happen after a wedding you know in your family people would have be made do a turn or a party piece right well that's something. what I said with the
2: Torah Laura, Laura. We,
1: we make the, t- yeah, exactly. the children do it well this is the, 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 the poem comes to reflect your life after a while and I it, I actually started to think it might be having some sort of power over me because it's on Raglan Road in the month of May I saw her first and knew That her dark hair would weave a snare That I would one day rue I saw the danger yet I passed Along the enchanted way I said let grief be a fallen leaf At the dawning of the day So that's uh, in the month of May I saw her first and knew That her dark hair would weave a snare So this is dark haired ladies In May That's a big no-no Yeah, You know you actually start to think There could oh, be truth yes. in this Yeah 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 especially walking along, and it got to the point where I once saw a beautiful lady come towards me, a brunette lady, and I was like, no, because no way. Song? Yeah, this is, this is, this is not, oh my this can never happen. Yeah, so... Um,
2: that's funny. That's, it. Yeah, that's, that's really great. great. That's actually, I know it's not completely related, but that's one of the things your buddy Glenn Hunt. <laughs> I'm not going to say it every time. But he talked about the power of him and... Uh, some girl that he was dating, not Marquette, I don't think, singing songs while they're so happy about a breakup, and then the details of that song become true. He's like, you're you're writing at the peak of your contentment, and then you sing these songs about breakups, because that's just how it goes. And then when you break up the details of the song, you're like, oh, that's exactly what happened. This, yeah. this is how we went cold, and this is when we went cold, and this is where we were when it went cold, and all this, all this sort of prophecy. And yeah, like
1: I mean, it's Jesus' it's heart. I mean, I, I have... This I've had songs written about me, yeah. You know from uh, very happy times, <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's it must be very hard to sing them, then, it, yeah. Then afterwards,
2: I have jokes uh, about relationships. that yeah. I don't do anymore. Right. In fact, yeah. one time I, I I had a joke about a girlfriend and we had just broken up. And very rarely people will shout requests at me, and someone requested that bit, and I, yeah, I did it. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Felt horrible yeah because the bit included lines about loving her yeah which was and i can't imagine where the point of the whole song is your love yeah but it's like re- repeating
1: that or even yeah like. it's a tricky one and that's where it's nice that that it's that it's not an act it's professional talking because right you give we get the space whereas a singer is right. particularly with songs Stuck that to become successful you you repeat it right. like a little play right and it's a, it's a snapshot of you, the time
2: it would, everyone would hate it if you went we've since broken up
1: yeah So I sing a
2: love song <laughs> about them everyone would hate it but now now if someone requested that bit I would say you know we broke up <laughs> yeah yeah, right? yeah yeah but I think that's interesting I think that gives us the freedom to um, well that's Mitch not understanding why his jokes aren't working and having that being the best part of the show
1: yeah but but similarly <laughs> what's more interesting about it would be to go here's a song I wrote at a very happy time, right. and I'm now going to sing it, and uh, again, and it will remind me of that happy time. Yeah. And but it will be infused with a sort of melancholy, and yeah. then maybe that's well. That's you know, I, like shelter from the storm. You yeah, know, you oh think God. of that entire. You think of the entire blow in the Tracks record. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, how does do you write that about Sarah? Like, how does right, how does right, Sarah feel right, listening right, back to that? Right. John Oliver had one of my favorite ever bits of comedy was um, the, it's Sarah's if it is if that record's about about uh, Dylan Sarah um, it's being Sarah's next boyfriend and he's in like ah. Athena or whatever the American version of a shitty card shop yeah. where you buy like helium filled balloons uh, Hallmark. And, yeah Hallmark uh, yeah Hallmark so see like had a, or a poster of a, a two people holding hands yeah. or a, a, a bunch of flowers. And yeah. so he's looking around and he's going like what will I get oh yeah, what does she Oh yeah, what does her last boy? Oh yeah. He wrote blood he up. He wrote probably the most moving album that's ever been committed to tape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I will get no I'm ruining John's routine, but that <laughs> There's is There's a kitten falling from a tree that says hang in there. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he wrote if you see or say hello, here here's a kitty cat. <laughs> <laughs> oh God in heaven! Well, again, I'm, I, it must just be on my mind because you're so Irish. You're so in my face Irish. I'm kidding, and uh, and because Has I was just, just, I know, and I was watching uh, that movie. But when I saw Swell um, Season Live, and there, there's other video of uh, Glenn Hansard playing the song "Lies," and he cr- he cried when he played it. Yeah, and he cries when I've seen him do a video of it. It's, sure, yeah, it's yeah, quite yeah. apparent. Uh, and that became that's my breakup album when I was getting divorced that was my album so when I hear lies I cry too you know what I mean yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah I I I mean I have there were times when I was doing that show last year which was very cathartic to do where where it was too close to the thing to have done it really Uh, where I was yeah, I mean there was it was a slightly weepy show. Yeah. Which is why I've tried to bounce back with just the opposite of that, silly time show. Yeah, and it hasn't been entirely successful my attempt to just do pure silly time show because life keeps happening. Yeah, because you know, you you the the book becomes more uh, you know, uh, the 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 more chapters come in and everything becomes more layered over time. Right. But um yeah, that's that was the attempt with it anyway.
2: Well, I think I think I loved it, and you, you, I loved your talking. I'll give you more hand jobs. <coughs> Thank you, wank horn horn. <laughs> uh,
1: Bold over with love. We talked about. Uh, Tell you were a telemarketer. I don't care. Um, yeah, that's 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 like a shit interview question. Yeah, I know. Like
2: It's on so, your Wikipedia page, which I looked in a panic as you texted me. I'm on my way up. I was like,
1: I didn't even look at his Wikipedia page. So, David, you used to work at uh, the, uh, classic Aussie. So David, I, tell us about your toughest ever gig. Uh, I believe you've written some books for children. Uh, you must have some funny incidents reading this children. This morning, this which day?
2: This day? Yeah. <laughs> I go into the the live news morning show and they give me the, the page of questions they're going to ask. And to their credit, they didn't. But uh, I looked at it and the first question was, when did you decide you wanted to make people laugh? Yeah. And that's when I knew that as soon as the camera went on, I had to give them things yeah. to yeah. comment on. Otherwise, there would be a lull and I would go, so I understand you were a telemarketer. Yeah. And then I'm just... Yeah, 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 yeah Leading you in
1: Yeah uh, The last the, the, I don't, Yeah, I wonder what If we were Leno. I don't have anything I'd say I used to Yeah, oh Here's what I'd say It, it would be something like um, Yeah, I don't think it had So yeah to, Yeah, lead me into that This would be This would be good uh, practice For when your career Is not to shit In the the years if you're doing
2: this. My next guest is a very funny comedian who you may have seen as one man show. This is David O'Doherty, or uh, is the D O D in real life. David O'Darty, everybody, welcome to the show. Thank you. Oh, he's Irish, everybody. Listen to that accent. Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> you said I was shit. I might as well be shit. So anyway, David, I yeah, understand. Uh, it says
1: here that he used to be a
2: telemarketer. Is that
1: is that true? Oh, I have to imagine that's pretty wild. Well. As a question, i give that 8 out of 10. <laughs> ah! <laughs> that was it. Because no, the, all the job was was getting people to rate things out of 10. And it
2: Oh, stand by for a brief survey.
1: Yeah, that's... that's yeah. Well, except there's no... In Ireland, there's no... Is that robot? That's robocalls. At the end of every call, they say, please stand oh, by. Oh, no, no. This was just cold calling. And this was awful because... I they found something gregarious in my. This is when I was like twenty one. Yeah. But uh, they found something in my personality that like, oh, this guy would be, he'd be good at charming old ladies or whatever it was. Yes. So I go, God, I remember every word of it. Hi, yeah. <laughs> ah. Yeah. Even that is a corruption of ah, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Whatever skill I oh, have. Let me
2: be the old lady, and I will answer the phone.
1: Do you remember it? Yeah, well you you uh, you went you picked up the phone, so you go hello. Oh, yeah. Hello. Hello. <laughs> this is David O'Doherty calling from BMR Market Research. We're conducting a little survey today into a few things. Ah. Uh, can I uh do you use clingfilm Glad Rock? I do how would you rate it out of 10? Like, that was actually one of them. Stuff that people had never thought of, whether this is a good or a bad product. We're suddenly being asked.
2: Did you ever get the the people that just wouldn't give it a 10, even though it's doing great? (laughs) You know, there was that one time the cling wrap didn't cling, so I'm going to say (laughs) 7.
1: No, everyone, no, with that one, because I remember that was everyone gave it uh, four to seven because you don't really think about right. that in terms of a, a high score yeah. and why are you talking a few marks it was always it's hard to find the start that is you know, so funny you know yep. you search where is the start people just
2: want to be interesting you don't want to seem so shallow to be like ten it's perfect it's plastic
1: it's rapid it, wraps things yeah no 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 No. no. I, and I would drop it I'm going to drop it three because start. it's so hard to find the start yeah. wow yeah this is this.
2: Is, I, I, I see. That was good. You, you do that on on my on my talk show one time. A multi headed beast. Oh my god! This is the the last thing I love asking. Oh, what kind of soap do you use? You can answer that if you want. Um, I love the soap question. I get a lot of shit for the soap question. Yeah, uh, uh, meaning
1: it's not boor- not interesting. I find it very interesting. Yeah, I I, uh, <laughs> I, I use uh, there's a, there's a uh, I mean, I I know that this, this yeah I'm using the thing from the hotel at the moment. Because, yeah, that tiny, tiny soap. Yeah, it's because I couldn't bring. I was on the. I was worried about having too much weight in my luggage. I came uh, to Australia via yeah. Moscow, and in Moscow it was minus twenty, so all my weight was taken up with very warm clothes that yes. I'm now not wearing because it's twenty two degrees and here. Pieces. And so I. Uh, yeah, but the, the so I I you didn't bring any soap. Yeah, I didn't have any weight to bring a liquid soap product, uh, so I've been reliant on the. Oh, you have a liquid soap. Yeah, you know, I have a I have a, a liquid soap product. I, I I mean, I don't certainly don't care about. I'm, you know, I've never used deodorant in my life. Is ever. that right? I Used it when I was fourteen. Like dudes in sports would put on a whole can of sure. Links with Axe yes. in your country. Yes, and. Uh, so i i no deodorant fumigated myself then you just go natural yeah well,
2: I've, n- I've never noticed yeah it's a no, good no,
1: thing no I, I i'm i'm blessed <laughs> in that i get away with this yeah from a bo point of view but i just i don't like the idea of smelling like a i mean a corporation is too harsh a word to use but i don't want to smell like anyone a company's else.
2: idea of goodness
1: yeah I, I i uh maybe there is something in that that i have a smell and right. uh, I am well, happy to represent that smell. The, uh, I'm the CEO of Homeless, people. Rah,
2: the pheromone thing, if somebody likes the way they the way you smell, that's a very good indication. So if you're lying... Like, I got in the elevator with the woman who took me to morning TV today, yeah. and she smelled amazing. Yeah. But it was her perfume. I wanted to eat her. She smelled like Hubba Bubba. Uh,
1: yeah, that's not... Yeah, I know. That's a, that's a bit that's of false advertising, isn't it? On her part, Yeah. yeah. I have to take a piss, and then I'm going to ask you the final
2: question. I really can't wait.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, sure. You can read. Try and read my notes. Okay, fine. <laughs> multiple dimensions. I wonder what oh, yeah. I wonder are, what that are, is. Is about like string
2: theory in multiple dimensions?
1: Uh, well, I won't. I don't have much to say about it because I don't know anything about. But it's an example of like, I've made such pizza in the bathroom now, listeners. <laughs> I hear the cascade of water and the loud chuckling. Going from in there, the I I have made an I I have a friend who's a a scientist and he takes it upon himself to teach me things like um, relativity, Um, and it always starts off where I stay with it as long as I can, and he'll make it the most idiot proof. So it'll be like, imagine the world is a golf ball. So yes, absolutely. Well then, the nearest star is a thousand miles away, uh, and it's uh, the size of a house, ah, uh, but it's in a Formula One car, ah, uh, that's going. And then, so, but like, I am there. I'm still with this. Yes, i, I Yeah, I see that. Uh, that's going in both directions simultaneously. No, 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 no. And I'm gone. I'm absolutely out from that point on. So my all I know is that. Some people put forward the idea of there being more than four to five dimensions. But yeah, I know my my friend has something. He was trying to tell me about 13 dimensions. But that, it just goes like the Formula One car, Travelling Both Directions. You missed a bit there because you flushed. But I think it was... I think we might have covered something vaguely profound there. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Parents Jazz definitely covered that. Why did this start over? What's the, what words that? Prayer? Is that what that says?
2: Um, what does that say? God, that's unreadable. That's alright. I'm concerned that this now starts... You didn't touch this, did you? No, I didn't. Oh, the battery's almost dead.
1: How long have we gone on? It was
2: at three hours, and then I went to the bathroom, and now it says we've been doing it for two minutes. Oh, shit. I didn't touch it. Oh, no, I don't think anything went wrong. Do you think it's saved?
1: Yeah. I'll make sure in a second. Oh my God! What did I miss? Um, I talked about my difficulties with science. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe in science. That'd be nice if I've come across as a reasonably balanced individual. And then at the very end, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't believe in girls. Or I think they're We're ghosts. Idiots. I do believe in ah, science of any kind, there's no
2: such thing as a triangle. I've been David already. <laughs> this is the final question in our, either our three-hour or three-minute podcast. Oh shit! There's no way it erased. It couldn't have, but the battery is dead. Uh, so we have we talked for an entire battery. It sounds. It looks that way. This is going to be the fastest thing ever. Is that, do you know one of the hard, the hardest or one of the hardest times you've ever laughed? That's how we like to end the show.
1: Um, it doesn't have to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, it it was at my uh, granny's uh, cremation. No. Yeah. <laughs> God, I have to, I have to remember. Uh, the, the we were in the the like the theater is very intense of a cremation. Yes. And in the crematorium sat there me and my nephew and it was the the so big old granite some sort of catholic crematorium place yes. and there were heaters on the to warm it up because it was in the winter uh, that were glowing red and <laughs> where I was sitting with my nephew like an impossibly sad scenario combined with the melodrama of the coffin going off in the little train uh, into the fire yeah and um the, the heaters the, you could see just on the back of one of them the manufacturer of the heater was was it wank scoff or wank I think it had, it had wank at the start of it anyway and Jesus it was it reminded me of when Vannegut talks about coming up from being in an underground cavern in Dresden yeah. and seeing the city levelled and everyone dead and they just started laughing because it's so incongruous. Yeah, it's so preposterous. Like when Leia cracked up when they blew up her planet. Sim- <laughs> 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 yeah, I yeah. So, so you then. caught wanks off, yeah, and just so w- laugh wanks off or some it was it a wank and of wankendorfer something like that. Yeah. They make ecclesiastical heaters and or l- heaters for large spaces and Suddenly, the wrongness of it just combined God, yeah. with the seriousness of the situation. Yeah, chuckle, chuckle, chuckle. I love it. Mm. If I wasn't terrified about
2: the battery, I would keep going. We need to hit stop so it'll save. Okay, because Katie's not here and I'm
1: afraid. Shit, I know. I this yeah. I, I feel like we're two idiots over a bomb. Yep, and there are three wires. Yep. Uh, but
2: I see an empty battery and five minutes, everything's wrong. You just do it. I'm too scared. Will you, we end the episode with the guest saying, keep it crispy. That's just for you to say.
1: Keep it crispy. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. David
2: O'Darty, on. one of my favorites of all time.
0: Now leaving Nerdist.com. What will be